friends, and welcome to another episode of How To Wrestling, the world's first wrestling podcast detailing how to wrestling, how to get into wrestling, how to understand wrestling, and goodness knows maybe even how to enjoy wrestling. And I'm joined, as always, for this episode, How To D'Lo Brown, by my better half, Joe Graham. Hi. How are you? I'm very well, thank you. You've been uh, busy. We've been very busy. <laughs> packing, unpacking moving assembling furniture yeah um joe graham in case you don't know is quite the carpenter uh, steve austin would love joe that. she's a great carpenter slash mechanic when it comes to the assembly of furniture the other day i took down a curtain pole that was drilled into the wall and say what replaced it with blinds whoa N- wow i'll be honest if this was like four years ago you know before i kind of got off that buzz i would have been stood there right beside you chanting ec dub and what a hardcore thing you were doing <laughs> i was very very much impressed so obviously things have changed for us in some ways shapes and forms in that we now live in manchester the jewel of lancashire it is lancashire right i have no idea you're fucking english i know why do you think i go out with you <laughs> It's for basic geography. geography. I'm not being made a fool of anymore. I'm pretty sure you know more about the geography of England than I do. Yeah, there is the Scotland, and then there is England. there is North, where we are, and then there is Lincolnshire, which some people said was North, but isn't. Yeah, it's Midlands. Really. And then there's the bit down the bottom, which no one likes. I know. I it's, come from that bit. It's true, though. Everyone gives out about that it's, bit, doesn't it? It's true. It? No, one likes, no one likes the South. Yeah, no one likes the South. The North is where it's at, obviously. It's where all the pies are. This episode, requested by Timmy for his bro, Mark Thompson. This is amazing. He did it as a birthday present. Do you know, it was great. Both Timmy and Mark got each other how-to wrestling gifts for their birthday, Aww. which was, like, within a month of each other. Ah. It was great. Timmy got Mark this episode. Yeah. Mark got Timmy the an entire collection of one of our coasters. Ah, each. yes. Or coaster sets, yes. And it was so hard for me to not like reveal it accidentally <laughs> like hey by the way you're both the best brothers that's a lot for you to handle isn't it I mean yeah. birthday secrets yeah we just make a fucking podcast when's all this responsibility for birthdays coming from <laughs> it was such a nice feeling though both of them finding out their gifts and me being like ha how to wrestling can I just say Timmy uh, in terms of a, a birthday gift great taste but in terms of a wrestler even better taste because I want to shake your figurative and literal hand. Well, that's Mark. It's his favourite. D'Lo Brown. That's amazing. Uh-huh. Um, I'm so happy that we get to talk about D'Lo Brown. D'Lo Brown is a wrestler who, honestly, if we sat down and came up with a list of the wrestlers that you have to know about, he probably might have not made the list in many yeah. ways. And that's not for lack of talent or lack of the fact that D'Lo Brown is one of my favourite wrestlers of all time. Because I don't think I'd really heard of him before this episode was requested. Yeah. Because this episode was requested before we did China. Mm. So actually, I don't think I'd, I'd heard anything about him before. The first time you saw D'Lo might have been when Mark Henry was, was trying to cover up D'Lo. Don't say. look at him. And so that was Joe didn't even know what D'Lo looked like because Mark Henry was so good at covering him up that yeah. he was like, who, who is that? <laughs> I didn't see him. So D'Lo Brown, definitely a perennial favourite. Um, the Adjera podcast, obviously, we're, we're recapping a lot of stuff at the moment and going back over. And me, Adam and Billy are... All three of us are just like, wow, D'Lo Brown was fucking amazing. Mm. And he was one of my favourite wrestlers as a kid. Mm-hmm. And looking back as an adult with cynical grown-up eyes, he remains one of my favourite wrestlers. That's awesome. If not, he's even more so now than he was when I was a little one. So definitely excited to get into D'Lo Brown very, very shortly. 
But first things first, obviously the, the quest for knowledge of wrestling is a never-ending one. It's a journey, not a destination. So it's time for what Joe learned this week in wrestling. Jesus. Hey. <laughs> uh, I, that was me attempting to do D'Lo Brown's entrance music. <laughs> on, uh, on the <laughs> I'll get better. I am Irish. Keep practicing. I keep practicing. Don't quit your day job. So what did you learn wrestling this week then, Joe? So this week I learned in wrestling that doing a wrestling podcast will sometimes open interesting, to say the least, doors. You say this in the presence of a man who's sitting beside a framed napkin for a Chef Boyardee-sponsored yeah. rave party that uh, WWF did in 1999. So yeah. yes, I, I get that feel. You've been sent Zubas in the mail. I have. I have been sent clothing in the mail. <laughs> <laughs> so the weirdest thing that has come out of doing howdy wrestling so far, bearing in mind we're only a year old, mm-hmm. was... This happened about six months ago, I think. Around then. It's hard. It's been a bit of a blur when yeah. it actually happened. This last year, honestly, the whole thing has been a blur. Well, yeah, because it was something which we found out about ages ago, but yeah, had to keep we've quiet had to keep about really it. Stum, yeah. In case it didn't happen. But basically, we uh, we were contacted by the producer of Man Down. Man Down, if you're uh, either unaware because you're English and you don't watch enough TV, like me, or you're American or from some other part of the world where you don't watch English comedies, it is a Channel 4-based comedy from comedian Greg Davies mm. of Inbetweeners and Greg Davies fame. <laughs> Uh, it is a show about him. He's a teacher. Yeah, I know it was famous because it had Rick Mail in it. Yeah, he played his dad because they look so <laughs> I, similar. That's when I rang Billy the other day. I was like, oh, Billy, just so you know, you know, because Billy's a Greg Davies fan. He showed right. me stand up before. And I was like, oh, yeah, uh, you know, that show, Man Down, that Rick Mail and Greg Davies show. And he's like, oh, it ain't a Rick Mail show anymore, mate. <laughs> Which obviously it's not. It's but not. still. Yeah. So we're contacted by him. And he requested something rather strange. And first of all, we should mention, he he contacted us on Twitter. And he said, hey guys, just so you know, I am a real person. And I'm not making this up. It did sound so made up. It sounded so made up. And I'm... We're so glad that he said that because he sent a link to his IMDb page. He's like, "Look, I'm, I really am the producer of Man Down. Like, this is this is serious. <laughs> I am who I say I am." But with that in mind, could you please design a wrestling figurine for the series? The wrestling figure, his name is Beefy Lee. We Beefy were given Lee. we were given that name in very little direction other than his name was Beefy Lee. Yeah, and he was a wrestling doll. Yeah. So we had to kind of put our heads together and design them. Now, if you're watching Man Down, you, 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 or if you've not, go check it out on 4 d on demand. Absolutely. If you see Beefy Lee, we, we designed him initially on 2K16 to get kind of like <laughs> a feel for him. And actually, with that in mind, um, anyone on our live stream backers on Patreon will be able to see our original mock-up of him on 2K16. Yeah, so we had to send screenshots yeah. of Beefy Lee. The kind of basis of him, it, he is very much a product of what we were watching at the time. Um, which I find a lot of times stuff gets influenced by stuff we're watching. He's got a very Trailer Park Boys... It's given we weren't watching Frasier at Yeah, he would have been an intellectual, but we were watching Trailer Park Boys at the time, so he has the kind of the Ricky goatee and sideburns. Yeah. The body basis uh, initially was Brian Nobbs, hence he's got a luscious blonde mullet. Mm. Someday you will have to do How To Nasty Boys and you won't be a very happy lady. But oh, no. That's the way it is. Uh, All-American pants... And a hat. Yeah, he's got a little cowboy hat accessory and a little leather jacket studded. So they actually got an Alberto Del Rio figure 
chopped off his head and sculpted his head from scratch and then designed all the clothes for him. It was a fascinating process, I'll be honest. Really interesting. And as well, we got Dan to help with some concept art to give a bit of clearer direction other than just, here's a screenshot from a video game we play. Yeah. And as well, he's designed all the packaging for it. And the detail he's put in is incredible. I'm, I'll have to take pictures and post it on our website. I think it's, just fantastic. it's safe to say Dan, who does our artwork and also did the Beefy League kind of concept art and box art, spent far more time and effort on it than either us or the producers. Aww. <laughs> uh, no, seriously, I'm To be saying, fair, Dan has... He, spent probably a very long time on it, that. It's, it's quite amazing. But, so there's Beefy Lee. If you happen to spot him on uh, Man Down. Yeah, and if you watch it, you will spot him. He's, yeah. he's a bit of a, well, not, I would say a big, big part, but we big were, enough. When we were doing it, the whole time we were like, this is literally a concept and a joke that could so easily be cut it's yeah. the definition of deleted scenes on Which the is DVD. exactly why we didn't want to tell everyone, because it'd be so typical if we're like, hey, we've designed this wrestling figure, it's really cool, look out for it, and then... All sorry. you have to do is wait till Christmas and go to Tesco and get Man Down Season 3 on DVD and see it on the deleted scenes, yeah. with the explanation as to why it was a really bad joke and we didn't want to include it. Thankfully, he's made the cut, and he's been in more than one episode. More than one, and it's awesome it's so cool i've never had anything of mine on tv before i mean i know you kevin mr big shot have been on documentaries and stuff but for me this is awesome this is so cool it's it's very very awesome indeed it's a very strange feeling um and i will say um if the idea of this was to get me to watch man down then it works because i've watched man down which i never would have done previously so i mean (laughs) you know if all shows if you really want to kind of get that audience up Just let your audience design jokes for it. And even if you're not that interested in the concept of Beefy Lee as a wrestling figure, but you like us, there's another reason you should tune into Man Down. Because Greg Davies is a lovely, beautiful man. And And another reason. Oh yeah, (laughs) if you watched the last episode, so that's episode six or whatever it is, you might see someone you recognise. Might well do. Big wink into the microphone. Yeah. If only there was a, if only the podcasting are so limited, we can't convey winks in this yeah. format. It's Why isn't a, a wink sound? But needless to say, we've been busy bees with our moving and our designing yeah. and our mandating. But also a shout out to any other producers, directors, actors, anyone. Please do contact us with weird, fun shit like this. <laughs> it was so cool to do. It I was want more opportunities like that. It was a, it was a really weird opportunity. I mean, honestly, when we we got that message, it was a long message. It's typically the kind of like, okay, this is going to be like someone telling us a really lovely story about something nice that happened. Yeah. I was like, oh, and then I was like, what's going on here? But I didn't imagine myself like in an abandoned hospital getting directed by Barry Shitpeas from yeah. uh, Screenwipe. But then, that that happened. And yeah. there's Beefy Lee now looking at us in the podcast room, now with extra gristle. So uh, <laughs> if there's ever any whiff of Beefy Lee figures being sent out this way, oh, we yes, will please. absolutely yeah. do a giveaway. Yeah. Absolutely. Oh, God, yes. Oh, I hope any spares they have. So away from the glamour of uh, Hollywood... <laughs> <laughs> back up from California there for a moment and uh, back to the gritty business at hand. D'Lo Brown, you said you'd never heard of him before, no. like at all. Never, at all. Knew nothing about him. There are certain wrestlers who, it could be choice of employment or just, just the way things work, who managed to slip through the cracks of WWE's kind of story or mm. their, their, their version of events. 
Dio Brand's not someone who you see coming back on Raw for a bit. He's not someone who they interview. He's not someone no. who's really shown in video packages or anything like that. I was really worried as well when, because I manage the Patreon requests often. I read the messages and I pass them on to you if I'm yep. not sure whether or not we're going to cover them. And when Timmy requested D'Lo, my instinct was, shit, I've never heard of this guy. What if Kevin doesn't want to do it? What if he's unimportant? <laughs> I was like, oh, Kevin, we've got a request for D'Lo. Is that anyone you literally went yes i think i wibbled wibbled my head as well (laughs) yeah you were so happy because i think you were very surprised that anyone would have requested it well i mean the thing about d'lo brown is i don't know if you have this from watching rest in the past year but for me growing up as a kid and from a very young age you always kind of get these guys which is someone who you know is never going to be the world champion but someone who's so entertaining, so over with the fans, and in your mind, and probably most people's mind, could be a huge star and could be a guy, you know, but is, for whatever reason, in the middle of the card, in enhancement matches, in lower down stuff. And there's a degree of frustration with that, but also when they kind of... It's kind of like, you know, enjoying something that not everyone else enjoys. You kind of, you feel like it's a special thing, a special guy. Yeah. Are there any wrestlers like that on the current roster who kind of fit into that for you? Stardust would have been, but he's gone now. And he's he also... Kind of, he's doing his own thing and he's doing it really well, so... You know what, if Stardust liked the Stardust gimmick as much as you did, then we wouldn't yeah. be in this mess. Um, for current wrestlers, Cesaro? Yeah, definitely. Yeah, he's a mid-card guy who I'd well, love he's... to get a big... You'd love to see him as a champion, but if you told me Cesaro would never become the WWE champion, I honestly wouldn't be surprised, you know, which is a sad thing. Well, if someone told me that he was going to be, I wouldn't be surprised either, because he seems like such a star. He's so good. Well, Dino Brown was someone who, you know, during the Attitude Era, so he came up around, you know, 97-ish, 98, and he was there with the company until around 2002. So he was there during the hot streak, and he was someone who, for a long time, seemed like he was knocking on the door of being a top guy. And what was really interesting about D'Lo Brown was that this was in a time when 1998, The Rock, for instance, who was The Rock? You know, he was just some guy. And then, boom, overnight, biggest star in wrestling. Or Steve Austin. Oh, he was just some guy in WCW. Boom, biggest star in wrestling. Mm. So it felt like it was possible Uh, in this scenario for any guy to kind of become a guy. You know, Mick Foley, that's some guy from ECW and WCW. Boom, big star. You know, it kind of, WWF was doing that a lot of the time. And D'Lo always felt like he was just fucking there. Mm. He came in as just another guy. He was a background player, pretty much. What was his history then before... He wrestled in, like, Chicago as an independent wrestler. Really? And what was quite interesting about him, uh, Mark Henry revealed on Ride Along, that great show on the network recently, is that D'Lo didn't actually do any kind of travelling outside of Chicago. He's pretty much based exclusively in that city. And then he got picked up by WWE. And his initial role, D'Lo Brown, was to wear a tuxedo and stand in the background and look slightly menacing as the Nation of Domination went about their business. Have you heard of a group called the Nation of Domination? I've no idea who they are, but I've heard of the Nation of Domination. Yeah, The Rock would have been in that group. It's someone who we'll look at in more more detail. Aggressive militant black uh, faction was their gimmick. Oh, yes, I've heard of them. And D'Lo's job was, was to cast vague allusions to the Nation of Islam by being a black guy wearing a tuxedo in the background right <laughs> so the, the it was the gimmick was weird at the initially it was like this kind of 
very much like a, it seemed like a nation of Islam kind of very, I don't know if they were <laughs> right to go about doing it. It's a, another episode entirely. But it then kind of evolved into more of like just kind of four guys, yeah. you know, who had, you know, wanted to beat everyone up and all that. And The Rock was the leader. There were so many matches for D'Lo Brown to pick from. And it's another one which is quite weird in that, um, like China, a lot of the matches which you looked at over a kind of a condensed period. Because mm. D.O. Brown very much had a kind of a bam, here he is, and then kind of, ah, and he kind of faded away. So we've kind of focused on his core matches here, the Attitude Era. And I asked Billy and Adam kind of, hey, what were the best D.O. matches? Because we were always raving about them. So a little bit of help from those guys, a little bit of help from the, the tweets. We've got a nice slim list of four matches from D.O. kind of covering his best moments. First match we watched, and he's a guy he wrestled many, many, many times, was X-Pac, also known as Sean Waltman. Ah, yes. Who you found out in the toy shop yesterday was also known as the 123 Kid. Yeah. Yeah. Ah, thanks, toy shops. You don't like X-Pac, do you? Mm, I have very complicated feelings about X-Pac. I do, mean, you, do you feel you need to know more about him? Yes, of course. I always feel that with anyone that I have feelings about. Because I've heard some really nasty stuff that he's done. And I've heard some really nasty stuff that was done to him. Pretty much wrestling, isn't it? Pretty much, yeah. Everyone in wrestling is like, they've done some shitty shit, but But shitty shit has been shit on them. (laughs) (laughs) But also, like, the matches I've seen of his were really good. He seems like a really good wrestler. Yeah. So D'Lo Brown and Xbox, these are guys who wrestled a number of times. And they're always wrestling for this belt, the European Championship, which kind of, it would have been the US title of its time, like a lower card belt. Usually, the guys who wrestled for the European Championship were guys who were having kind of more fast-paced matches. Not like high-flying as much, but just kind of a faster style than you would have gotten with the main event stuff. So we had D'Lo and Xbox for the European Championship at Judgment Day 1998. We get an immediate China spotting, and also as well immediately, what becomes very apparent is the head wibble of D'Lo Brown. Yes, he's got a very wobbly head, does D'Lo. What did you think? Because I imagine the tweets would have been like, head wobble. Yeah. Was that confusing? (laughs) No, because the tweets came after I'd seen the head wobble. Because that was like the first thing you mentioned and showed me. When when it was requested at the time, you were like, oh, he's got a wobbly head. (laughs) Just so you know, it's really fucking hard to podcast about D'Lo Brown and not be going like this all the time. What do you mean? That's what we're doing. Constantly. Michael Cole has a really shit goatee here. And I'm sure he... Oh, it's just awful. It's just... I, mm. It's 1998. Oh, Men wibble their heads. So bad. Guys had bad goatees. But I did, not to <laughs> focus or fixate on the head wibble too much. But what do you think it is? Why does he do it? What is it? It's a head wobble. He's like doing a little dance. And it's, it's like a happy head wobble. fucking awesome. It's great. It's like happy and aggressive at once. It's like kind of, he's dancing to the beat of his own drum. Mm. He's having a little party and none of us are invited. It's great as well because it's definitely something like not everyone could... I can't do the head wobble. I can wobble my head, but I can't do sore. the way he does it. He must work out his neck. And we were talking recently about No Way Jose being fucking yeah. knackered. Like, Jesus, D-Lo Brain, that neck must have been like really worked out. Jackie goes this. home and he puts like a hot pump. God! Please, <laughs> deep heat. <laughs> dips his head in a bucket of ice. <laughs> the other thing which D'Lo has, and this is something which I just absolutely loved about Attitude Era time, like the, the, the late 90s, uh, something which Vince Russo, who was one of the writers at the time, really was a proponent of, and I think it's one of the best things he did, which is everyone had a gimmick mm. or some little 
thing about them. Yeah. Dilo's obviously got the head wobble, but the other thing about Dilo Brown is he has a chest protector. So did he always have the chest protector? No, there was an evil wrestler called Dan the Beast Severn, a scary looking man with a moustache. Oh, I've seen him. Former UFC fighter. And in the story, he put Dilo Brown in a very scary submission hold and ripped the pectoral muscles from his bones. And was that shoot as well? Did he no, it was just a story yeah. like to put over Dan as being really scary. Right. So Dilo comes is away for like two weeks and he comes back then with this ridiculous chest armour with fucking big studs on it and all that. The idea being was that D'Lo was like, you know, he was fine after a few weeks and yet he would still wear this chest protector. It's a real old-timey gimmick. The wrestler who's got like, oh, I hurt my arm, boss. But he wears this cast and he hits the wrestlers with it for like, you know, nine months or whatever. So that was the idea was that D'Lo has this chest protector. He's pretending that he's hurt and he's using it because his finishing move, the frog splash, he's killing them with this chest protector, which in kayfabe has got like steel bars into it and all that. Really? Yeah, that's the idea is that it's like really fucking, you know. Because it didn't look that aggressive. No, it just looks like he's wearing a, like a, a, I thought it was like a Nerf kind of outfit, you know, like, you know, so you could go play or maybe a dog could attack him and he'd be all right. (laughs) Yeah, he's going to play Laser Quest. Quasar or Laser Tag? Quasar. Do you remember Quasar? No. Oh, that was an Irish. Oh. Any, any Quasar aficionados, any Quasar commandos out there, hit me up on Twitter, you know. <laughs> we'll share war stories, like, you know. But yeah, Dilo, what I loved about the chest protector is that it was just playing to the match in ridiculous ways. Like, you'd forget that he was wearing it and then someone would try to chop him and he'd go, oh, hell no! And then he'd go beat him up. So, <laughs> another, this, I just like he's talking about it now, I realise, like, how deep fucking Dilo's gimmick was. He had so many bits to his gimmick. Mm. Because he had that, and he had the head bubble, and also as well, he's the European champion. So the announcers had to say that Dilo was from a different city yes. in Europe every single time. So tonight he was residing from Milan, Italy. That's cool. <laughs> and then you have other nights he's coming out, like, making his way to the ring, from Helsinki, Finland. <laughs> and Jim Ross gets incensed by that. Oh, come on, he's not from hell. He's just from Jersey there, oh, for crash sake. <laughs> Which I think is a brilliant gimmick that he's like, he takes being European champion so seriously, he claims that he is European. Yeah. We watched D'Lo going around the town in London just before we started recording, uh, talking about, you know, called Big Ben, the Big D. The Big D. The Big D. I don't know if he realised what that... Surely he'd... Oh, I don't know. Maybe he doesn't. I hope they call Big Ben. Call Big Ben Big the Big D. D. But it's not Big D, it's THE Big D. Yeah. <laughs> so, um, yeah, he, he's obviously big into his, uh, his, his Europeanness. He did say at the end of that video when he's in London, turns vote around and he goes, he's like, yeah, well, yeah, should we vote Remain D around? Because he's like, <laughs> it's so damn good to be European. Maybe that's what happened. Maybe Nigel Farage and Boris Johnson, they just got worked up by the heel antics of D'Lo Brown, like, thinking they had to get out of Europe. This asshole here, you know. God, Europe's the fucking worst. <laughs> Dilo's catchphrase as well. You better recognise. He didn't say that that much in these matches, I don't think. At this, I think he. it was more of a 1998 catchphrase. Because mm. when he comes out here, he did look right into the camera and shake his head. Maybe it could have been the hypnosis of the head shake. Yeah. He's shaking his head so much and he goes, oh, you better recognise. Yeah, so you have to recognise that D'Lo Brown is a, is, is a very, very good wrestler. He also, as well, when he just like does a little shoulder block, screams at X-Pac, You better recognise! Yeah. 
You've said before that you like wrestlers mouthing off. Oh, I love it. It's my favourite thing. So what kinds of what kinds of wrestlers or kinds of things you like when wrestlers are doing like that in the ring? I like wrestlers um, vocally taunting each other, um, physically taunting each other. Yeah. There are certain wrestlers that are really good for it, like Jericho, Rollins. Trash talking. Trash talking. Kevin um, Owens is a great one as yeah, well. Yeah, like. Natalia recently has been fab for oh, yeah. it. I love... Was You're I, beautiful. I love Becky. She is my friend. <laughs> Um, so yeah, I love that that kind of stuff. D'Lo does quite a bit of that as well. I love that. D'Lo, he will do things, regardless of whether he was face or heel, he was always very mouthy. Yeah. Uh, he would always point at them and go, You suck! <laughs> or point at the crowd and go, Who sucks now? <laughs> I just love that he was always bellowing. It's absolutely brilliant. I like the way as well his, his fighting style is quite dynamic as well. Because like, he's a bit, he's quite a big guy. He is a, yeah. He's def- He's like a Kevin Owens shape. Yeah. He is, he's, he's fast he's, but bulky. But he's quick. Yeah, he is. He's so quick, and I think you only realise it when he's wrestling the likes of an Xbox who's maybe a bit smaller, and you're like, holy shit, this guy is keeping up pace mm. with a man who's like, you know, Xbox is lightning fast, yeah. kind of, and D'Lo is a big guy. Do you know how big D'Lo was before before all this? No. Because he's looking quite good here. Yeah. At one point, he was £400. So how much is that in stone? That it works out at around 28 stone. 28? 28. He was fucking huge. So, I mean, it, he can't have been just morbidly obese, right? He must have, must have, must have yeah, been Yeah, because he, he's quite a big guy. He was very yeah. stocky. He had muscle, but he also just had, like, he was quite barrel-shaped. Well, he was just fucking well. huge. Yeah. Like, wow. you know? So D'Lo was someone who... Was he, sorry, was he still wrestling as well when he was... Oh, like, yeah, yes. Yeah, when he first started out. He was a That's big, amazing. big guy. I'd love to watch some of his matches then. It's Well, I mean, he didn't really wrestle that much for WWE. And by the time he was getting his push and was actually a single star... D'Lo had lost a significant amount of weight. So there's no videos of him before. There's actually uh, when he was uh, a jobber. I think there's a few random matches when he, when he wasn't D'Lo Brown. He was someone else. Uh, jobbers and jabronis on Instagram actually posted a picture of D'Lo when he was a jobber, and he's fucking huge. Like, he doesn't even look like him. He looks wow. a completely different person. Because that must be what similar size to Mark Henry, right? Well, Mark Henry would be around the 400 pound mark I mean you remember Bubba Ray Dudley when he was in ECW and he was a big big yeah, yeah it would have been more that kind of a show oh, I see yeah. and that quite a big tall guy obviously very muscular mm. but he's got a big middle big kind of potato core to him mm. so Dino was huge and I always thought that was fascinating that he was someone who his natural weight was not a slim down guy. Yeah. And he's slim here, but he gets way slimmer even towards 1999. Yeah. He keeps getting into this incredible shape, keeps getting faster and faster, which I have to say is a really, really impressive thing. And what's great as well is that you've got this great dynamic in the match with Big D'Lo beating up Little X-Pac. He's mm. trying to shut down all the kind of the fast pace stuff. Um, JR complains constantly about the chest protector. This day match happens in like around September and he's like, he's been wearing it since June. <laughs> X-Pac goes for the Bronco Buster, which is his move where he thrusts his crotch into your face over and over in the corner. But uh, D'Lo Brown, with the amazing counter, placing his foot so X-Pac's dick comes solely into contact with his heel when he dives into it. (laughs) The word can only be described as ow. Oh, I noticed as well that D'Lo's wearing European Championship tights. <laughs> yeah, they literally say European. Did he get them made yeah. after he was European champion? Custom tights. I do believe there was a few matches where he wore them when he wasn't European champion. Bless him. Because in his mind, he was the rightful European champion. Of course, because he's European. 
that's kayfabe. Obviously, logic was that he got him on a bad wash cycle. You know, that's just the way it works. <laughs> now, something about D'Lo, which uh, was always great. I remember being obsessed with D'Lo Brown's character in all the wrestling games because D'Lo always had the unique moves. Right. I think all of D'Lo's main moves, no one else did. It's interesting you say that. Quite a lot of people tweeted in to say that they love playing as yeah. him on all the video games because of their, his unique moveset. Which is really awesome. I mean, Dio does things like calf kicks, which no one else in wrestling was really doing at the time. Now, powerbomb is something which people do all the time. Dilo does a running powerbomb, which is fucking... Like, the, he goes from corner to corner, he picks up X-Pac, and he runs across the ring with X-Pac up over his shoulders. It's absolutely incredible. And he does all his like cocky covers as well. I love that as well. Now, a big question, and there's obviously one that comes up quite often when we're doing How To Wrestling, but I need to know, is D'Lo Brown a handsy man? Yes, he is a handsy man. Would, would you say he's like a stone-cold hunk? Or would you say that he is handsome in his own right? Uh, I don't quite know what you mean by that. I mean, is he got... For instance, is he a classically handsome gentleman or is he a uniquely handsome gentleman? No, I'd say he's classically handsome. Yeah. Yeah, he's a, he's a handsome... He's got like um, He's not like that kind of rugged look. He's got like a boyish charm. He is a very charming fellow, is And he Dino. doesn't look like he ages much. That's... You know what? I that's couldn't true. tell you how old he is in yeah. any of these matches. He could be anywhere from 25 to... 35, maybe? <laughs> he it's was really in his 20s. He was he's in his 20s. 20s. He's right. very young, yeah. And there's something about the Attitude Era was that the mid-card and even the... They had a very young roster. Yeah. Because a lot of the older guys from the 80s were all in World Championship Wrestling, WCW. So the likes of your Hogan, Randy Savage, Lex Luger, the guys who would have been the stars in the 80s, they were now over there in their kind of 30s and 40s. WWF, it was like guys in their early and late 20s. Right. That was the kind of the standard, which was pretty cool. You know how at that time quite a lot of the wrestlers weren't really looking after themselves as well as they could have been? Yeah. Was D'Lo in one of those crowds or was he more like kind no. of wholesome? No, D'Lo, I think because D'Lo was always known as being a guy who was like, you know, so obsessed with being in shape and in good yeah. shape that he didn't roll with that kind of a crowd because he was someone... And there's a couple, a few wrestlers like this, and Goldus is someone else who's kind of their yes, natural yeah. body is goes towards. If you're not like a gym demon, or you're not someone who's like putting 110 percent into your diet and all that, mm. you put on weight quite easily. Yeah. So Dilo obviously, I think, was not someone who I've ever heard of. Anyway, as being kind of you know, there's no plane ride from hell stories about Dilo Brown pissing on people. If that's what you're wondering. <laughs> no, I wasn't quite wondering that. <laughs> A really cool moment of this match comes when X-Pac goes into the corner and he nearly kills the cameraman. In <laughs> it's like, it's one of my favourite things in wrestling when wrestlers nearly kill a cameraman. Yeah. I, I don't want cameramen to be injured, obviously, but there's something quite like, it makes it seem real when a wrestler goes flying to the corner and the camera goes, oh, Jesus! Even better <laughs> when the camera itself gets damaged. Yeah, I absolutely, I particularly love that. Obviously, yeah. we had that with Shane and yeah. Kane, but uh, here was a little bit more, probably, uh, shoot than, than, than a work. A lot of these moves look sore. They look real hard. Did you notice as well, because this is 1998, I'm not sure if you noticed, the mat, the difference in the mat, the ring mat that they're working on compared mm. to a modern mat? No. The old mat is fucking like, you hit that old mat and it's like really, it's really stiff. WWF was notorious in 98 for having a stiff, almost concrete-like ring. Because that's just the way they did it. Because that's the way Vince's dad had the ring. or what? It's, you know, it's just the way it was. They were known for having that type of a ring. I think 
there's a theory that if the ring was springy, people would call foul and say it was fake or whatever. Uh. But there was a couple of things happened, one of which involved Mick Foley and Hell in the Cell, which led to that ring being a little more give, a little more springy. Mm. So now it's a little springier. It's not ridiculous. Like ECW had like a really springy, bouncy-ass ring, but that was awesome. People did moves on it. It felt like they're going to fall off into the atmosphere. That's cool. But yeah, it was a stiff, stiff mat here. And a lot of the moves that you saw seemed really vicious because you got a little Xbox who's maybe like 200 pounds mm-hmm. being fucked onto that mat and the mat doesn't budge and he just splats onto it. Really sore considering <laughs> the man has neck problems as well. Dilo keeps spitting everywhere. It's kind of, it's an interesting thing. I said a lot of wrestlers grunt. He's got a watery mouth. Clearly. He is. He creates a lot of liquid to Dilo and maybe it's because he's, I don't know, maybe because he's such a... Uh, a guy who's gotten himself into good shape. He's getting rid of all the excess water waste. Just, <laughs> yeah, just kind of spitting it out everywhere. But he is quite a, a gooey man, is Dilo Yeah, Brown. he is. A lot of spitting in this match. Uh, particularly, you got Dilo in a chin lock. Dilo has him in a chin lock at one point, And he spits when he's in the chin lock. Mm. Now, that's that's got to be, you know... That's got to be a pretty scary moment. I mean, if I'm in a chin lock, I'm not sure if I want the guy giving it to me spitting everywhere. It's quite a good um, self-defense thing. Like a lizard... <laughs> Well, you know, I can cobra spit, so if I was a wrestler, that's what I'd do. We'd square off and I'd go, like that, and <laughs> cobra spit in their face. Like. Super effective against Sam Chapman. Yes, tweet Sam about that. Sam, of course, being a, a non-spit type Pokemon, gets very, very frazzled indeed. <laughs> it is super effective against him. So we get the action starting to speed up a little bit now, and what I was a bit worried at the start of this is like, uh-oh, like, this is a lot of D-Lo in control, him being the heel, slowing it down, you're not going to see what he's capable of and then X-Pac flips that switch and does his comeback fucking incredible speed from X-Pac and D-Lo's right there with him and we do get a China spotting who uh, appears to deck D-Lo Brown right in the face and then the ref gets bumped and we see Mark Henry coming out with some sideburns serious sideburns proper sideburns so I mean you saw a bit of Mark with China mm, and I know Mark from current, current products. although I don't think I've seen him in more than one match. You don't see him like wrestle here and there because he's not really been wrestling full time since you've been watching. No, he's has done he? one. He did one last week. Oh, Rusev, yeah, Rusev. Yeah, um, I think actually. that's the only match of his I've seen. Really? Oh, yeah. Interesting. It's him and D'Lo, of course, the best of friends, the very best of friends. So uh, Mark Henry confronts China, who at the time during the uh, storyline was suing her for sexual harassment. What? Because he wanted to go on a date with her, and uh, she refused, and uh, so he said... She How was, is that sexual harassment? Because Mark Henry is a heel, that's why. Oh, I see. <laughs> that Vince Russo thing we were talking about earlier? Yeah. You know, a bit of a sweet with the sour, I guess, is all you can, <laughs> all you can say. So, uh, D'Lo belts X-Pac with the European Championship, but he kicks out, and D'Lo Brown, another amazing thing about him, the most expressive eyes in all of wrestling. He looks like he's been told Christmas has been cancelled, and he's on a bus that's going off a cliff at the same time. He's like, what? <laughs> eyes bulging out. Amazing. D'Lo goes up to the top rope and dives off, and X-Pac catches him in his finisher for the win. An awesome match. And honestly, trying to pick one D'Lo versus X-Pac match, was very difficult. So if you want to find yourself some good times, just type in D'Lo Brown into the network and find any match with him and X-Pac from Raw, from this pay-per-view, from previous pay-per-views. There is a lot of great stuff out there. Absolutely. 
What did you think of D'Lo in this match? Oh, I loved it. Um, I've decided recently I'm going to start rating matches. Doing a star rating? Out of stars. Really? I'm taking a leaf out of Cinema Swirl. Joe, Joe Meltzer over here. Star wipes. Star wipes. <laughs> Why are you going to call them? It's going to call them stars. What are you going to call them? I mean, wrestling is traditionally rated on stars. Yeah, stars is fine. Stars? I'm fine. Super that. stars. Mm, <laughs> mouthful. So how many stars did you give this? I gave this four out of five stars. Mm. I really liked this match. It was dynamic. I loved seeing D'Lo do all these different moves I've never seen before and I, I I assumed that was just because I haven't seen much wrestling mate but uh, you were saying yourself that it's, it's he's very unique with absolutely the way he, he wrestles which I loved just so we know two things about the star system number one obviously Joe's criteria for stars are not the same as Dave Meltzer's criteria for stars so don't get your uh, undies in a bunch over there internet why what, what's going on there? oh because Dave Meltzer does a star rating system for when he's he's the wrestling journalist who rates all the matches and there's very specific criteria for like a five star match as opposed to a four star match oh god is he really strict a four and three quarter star match you say fucking hell um it's not I like do. Just Eat, though, as it was out of six stars. I was going to say, yeah. I mean, I'm very, I'm for one, I'm grateful that you went for the traditional five stars as opposed to the six star Just Eat. Just Eat, just so you know, I don't like your six star rating system. And for that, I only rated you five out of six stars on the iTunes store. The reason we mention this, by the way, is because where we lived before, Just Eat didn't exist. Yeah. We've only just moved to an area where you can use Just Eat. What the fuck, Just Eat? Six stars? Six stars. Fuck you. I know. Sometimes no, this is five stars. Rob Van Dam, who does the five star frog splashes, is finishing with is sitting somewhere looking at Just Eat going, What in the fuck? <laughs> <laughs> what is going on? Next match, which we looked at, again for the European Championship. Little known fact if you're looking to see the kind of the bit of the attitude era which gets glossed over and where all the real gold is, European Championship for the most part. Mm. Um, Own Heart, who someone we're looking at as well soon is someone who was kind of in that mix. Some really great matches. Another encounter with another young star from the time, from SummerSlam in 1998, it's Val Venus taking on D'Lo Brown. Now, when we were going to the network, we were quite taken aback by the SummerSlam 98 poster, which was Stone Cold Steve Austin, The Undertaker, as kind of Godzilla-sized monsters destroying New York. <laughs> Val Venus, though. Possibly he'll get his own episode down the line. Yeah. Depends if there's clamouring for it. What did you think of him? <laughs> I mean, he looks like a sexy Blake slash Murphy. From NXT. Yeah, I say Blake slash Murphy. Because you don't know which, which one is which. which. You know what's actually transpired now is I think that one of Blake and Murphy is actually really good and the other one isn't. I think it's Murphy who's really good. Which is the one that's gone solo and kept the music? Oh, Jesus, don't ask me. I think that's Murphy. So Mur- that's a good one. Murphy's the guy from Australia. I thought they were both from Australia. I don't, I don't think Blake is. Blake is from a fucking bridge, the, underneath a what bridge, that to- goblin troll. <laughs> <laughs> What's happened to the other one? I don't know. They're, they're up in the air. Who knows? They'll, they'll do something. But he looks like a sexy Blake slash Murphy anyway. So, so Blake and Murphy, you're saying, aren't sexy? Mm, not my kind of thing. But Val Venus, is he well, sexy? Well, no, okay. Again, not my Val Venus, I personally don't find him sexy, but like he's a sexy fied version. <laughs> Do you know what I mean? So Val Venus doesn't you know, he, he's not kind of your cup of tea is what you're saying. Not me personally. Do you notice when he came out the screams of the women in the audience, Val Venus? No, were they loud? They were very loud. People like him. The reason I think Val Venus was there was just so Vince could prove to himself that there were at least a few women in the audience during the edge of the era. 
there's just lots of people out there with no taste. People who love Randy Orton think he's hot. And, and what I love as well most about Val Venus is that when he's coming out, all the obligatory shots of they go like quickly cut to the women in the audience, and you see some women who are like whoa, kind of like they're into it, and then some women are just like looking at their camera, rolling <laughs> it up, going, "Huh?" <laughs> he drives the way the ladies wild and mild. He came out and he said, "I came, I saw, and I came again." Now, what did you think of that? Now, that's a wordplay, isn't it? Well, I guess. So, what his gimmick is that he's like a... Billy Keeble came up with the greatest term of his gimmick, which is, he is a sexy man. <laughs> that is it. And his rationale was that Shawn Michaels was a sexy boy, yeah. so um, Val Venus is a sexy man, because a man is better than a boy. I think, out of, I mean, I haven't seen a huge amount of Shawn Michaels as a sexy boy, yeah. but so far, what I've seen, I prefer Shawn Michaels being a sexy boy. Do you think he's sexier than Val Venus? Yeah. Hang on a minute. Because Val Venus, I think he's trying too hard to be what he thinks people find sexy. Do you think after his match, Val Venus just comes in and like, puts his head in his hands like, who the fuck are you? <laughs> like, I think Val Venus is being what other what he thinks other people think is sexy, whereas Shawn Michaels is being what he thinks is sexy. Right, I see. Do you I see understand. What I mean? yeah, 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 yeah. That's interesting. Interesting. Very See, sexy men in wrestling, there's just kind of a whole... Whole unexplored turf, I Specific guess. Specific subgenres of sexy men, hunks, and. <laughs> are you? Are you? Are you? Can you tell me now whether or not like wordplay can be sexy? Because Val Venus goes on wordplay a lot, and I'm wondering, kind of. None of the wordplay I've heard from him has been any good because it's all been kind of gross, <laughs> sleazy. It's very much like I can. Sorry about the trailer park boys references always, but he, I can imagine him being a gross character from the yeah. trailer park boys. That Hangs they, out with Randy like. That they the towel. Are towels sexy? Can be. Can be? Yeah. When he removes the towel. Like, like American that. Alpha are quite good at being sexy with towels. That's true, but their towels have got catchphrases on them. Very interesting. Again, wordplay, word though. Ah! That's a whole other thing. Well, I mean, I just think that Chad Gable is sexy because his favourite song is Tangled Up in Blue by Bob yeah, Dylan. Yeah, you love him. Of course I do. Get a room. I will. I will, and we'll play Mortal Kombat and have a fucking great time. That's what we'll do. <laughs> And you and Jason Jordan can like f- go fold your arms somewhere and not play Mortal Kombat. Oh, I'm happy for you. <laughs> D'Lo Brown says he's from Finland tonight. Jerry Lawler admits when he's coming out, if D'Lo Brown is ever going to lose that European belt, he'd go into a coma. Jesus. Yikes. The match starts. D'Lo gyrates his head. Valvinus gyrates his hips. Yeah, like two D-Lo. Yeah, it's, it's quite impressive, you know? Uh, very, very fast pace. I was wondering what your thoughts were on Val as a wrestler in this one, because he is, again, a guy like D-Lo with the kind of maybe the unique moves. He's a slightly bigger guy, but moves quite fast. Mm. Edge was in the audience. Ah, yes, e- emo like, Edge. It cut to the crowd and it cut to Edge. Like, he looked like he was trying to look really mysterious. He was pouting. He was pouting and it was all dark and shady. Yeah. But it doesn't work. When I've seen him on the Edge and Christian show. That that totally reeks of awesome. That totally reeks of awesome show. Are you saying that Edge has killed his own mystique there? A little bit, yeah. That's interesting, yeah. Retroactively. I do like a lot when we're going through some of these matches, you catching kind of like glimpses of what else is going on at the time. Because I kind of feel that like... I'm going to start putting them together. Yeah, like... Wait a minute, that key. Yeah, all kind of Sherlock... Yeah. Oh, Edge. I remember him. <laughs> you know? Should I start one of those, like, serial killer... No, detective... I'll get you loads of red boards. string and bo- and pins yeah. that you can connect them Wait on. a minute. <laughs> this is all connected. So yeah, you got emo Edge in the crowd. He's an unknowable enigma, Joe. 
D'Lo Brown. Now, he did a bit in the last match, but this match, holy crap. A massive big spit by D'Lo. Fucking hell. Honestly, I did start gagging at one point. It was so bad. He looked like he was being sick at one point. Now, I know Adam Bibolo on the Outro Podcast has got his grunt of the night, but absolutely, D'Lo Brown wins the uh, gloop of the night. (laughs) Grunts and gloops. Grunts and gloop. That's the name of me and uh, Adam's tag team. Uh, We're (laughs) disgusting. (laughs) But yeah, he fucking spits. And then straight away, he gives a clothesline to Val and then does another one. Yeah, it's so many spits, like, not oh, after yeah. the other. Yeah, and no, there's a huge amount of... I don't even know what he's been... Has he been drinking, like, loads of he's milk? pacing his spit, because I'll tell phlegm. you, I've done a few spits in my time. Why? Sometimes a man's got a spit. No, you don't. <laughs> I never have to spit. That's on, such BS. On, on occasion, I have spit. Well, and that, that's not to. justification, it's just a fact. <sighs> but if I've done a spit, the last thing I'm going to do is another big one. <laughs> Who is this man? <laughs> so much fluid in his mouth. I do like as well now D'Lo incorporating, and you get to see a little bit of it here, where he's incorporating a little more dancing kind of into it. Like he does a leg drop, but before he does his leg drop, he puts his hands out and he shakes his head and yeah. goes like that. I, I love him branding simple moves. I think it's a really important thing for a wrestler to do, which is oh, like, yeah, yeah. hey, he's just doing a leg drop. But the fact that he does that whole little bit before, the crowd is like, it's the it's the D-Lo leg drop. Do you know that's what I think is bothering me about the current NXT like new roster that's coming up? Is they have these gimmicks, yeah. but they're really one-dimensional, like entrance music plus certain way I walk in to yeah. the match. Whereas like the way it seemed to used to be, especially with people like D-Lo, is they have all these little different things which to together yeah. make this unique gimmick. But it's not something you could just sum up in like one sentence I think, I think there's a couple of things that there's number one there's more freedom for the wrestlers in some respects to maybe kind of say hey I've got an idea I'm going to go do this this is back in the time when the person writing the show was Vince Russo he had a writing partner they went through Vince McMahon for approval and that was it mm. as opposed to now where there's a committee there's guys on the committee it's not as simple as hey I want to do this thing okay let's do this thing you know NXT there's more leeway on the main show obviously a lot less Mm. so you're seeing here is guys probably having a little bit more freedom to do these kind of things and to incorporate some stuff and to play with the character and to kind of you know actually flesh out a bit more another thing about that as well is the fact that they just give a little bit more time to the mid cards yeah you know here it's kind of like hey it is important that the mid card guy has got some of these little bits that maybe the normal guys don't. And a lot of the guys that we currently have in the mid-card, or maybe even a few years ago, you can't say that about. So, absolutely. D'Lo got Val in a sharpshooter. Now, it wasn't a sharpshooter, honey. Right. Now, what the fuck? It How a, is it not a sharpshooter? It was a Texas cloverleaf, which is different to the sharpshooter. How is it different? It's exactly the same. Okay, sharpshooter, you put up the person's two legs. You put your leg between them. You wrap those legs around... Like that. And then Kevin's doing this with his hands. Yeah, and you turn him over. wrestling figures right here. I'll tell you right now, Mattel, your wrestling figures have never been able to do a fucking sharpshooter. Jack ah. specific, exactly the same problem. None of you have ever been able to make a figure that can do a fucking sharpshooter. So that's, that's, just, the rea- that's just the reality. The Texas Cloverleaf, though, you don't put your leg in between and then cross them and flip them over. You take one leg and you cross it over like that. How is that different? Um, because your leg's not going through their leg. So you literally grab their leg over their leg and then you turn them over. And what you're doing is you're pulling their shin bone over their leg, making that sore. No, I have no idea. So I'm completely lost. It is different. Just take my word for it. It is the Texas Cloverleaf. Uh, wrestling's not hard to get into. It's really easy. 
easy. No, it is. You can do it. All the moves. Why don't you know any of the move names? Oh, is it because they're all ridiculous? <laughs> it could be, Joe, that you've not spent 20 to 40 hours of your life deciding what your grand submission is going to be in No Mercy. Could be that. <laughs> do you ever think about that? <laughs> Oh, Val's finisher is the money shot. The money shot! But it seems to be literally just him gyrating. Yeah, he does a little gyration, then he does the splash off the top. It's the money shot. One of the best named finishers at wrestling, I think. But there's also great, like, kind of catch moments here. These are two big guys. You know, like, D'Lo catches Val out midair and gets his finisher sky high. Yeah. Val catches D'Lo out midair with a big power slam as well and goes, yeah. as he's doing it. Really, like... Considering the size of these guys, they are wrestling kind of like in the, the Cruiserweight Classic we're watching at the moment. You see a lot of guys catching guys and stuff. But it kind of seems like, well, they're small, they're fast. You expect that. You don't expect that from these big fucking yeah. big lads, like, you know. And what I love as well about by doing these kinds of things is you have a crowd and they start off. This is the opening match. The crowd, you could have heard a pin drop at the start. They really weren't that into it. Mm. By the halfway point... In oh, the God, palm yeah. of their fucking hands, they got this crowd. You completely. get D'Lo chance at one point in this match. Yeah. Which was then later followed by D'Lo sucks chance. Yeah. Just as loudly. <laughs> Probably the same people. Yeah, I love it. Now, what does get a bit scary here, though, is D'Lo then goes for his running powerbomb again. Now, obviously, uh, X Pac is a lot smaller than Val Venus. D'Lo going for that running powerbomb, Val Venus. He goes it for a second attempt. The first time he drops Val right in his head, he tries oh, to pick him up and he so goes right scary. back down. It's fucking scary stuff. Mm-hmm. D'Lo Brown gets devested. Yeah, Val rips his chest protector off the yeah, heel. The heel, and, uh, <laughs> and then put it on. <laughs> that that was that's like a whole different dynamic there. I'm gonna take your clothes and then I'm gonna wear them. Yeah. You motherfucker. It was way too big for him though. Yeah, he shows that D'Lo is a much more chesty man than, yeah. uh, than Val Venus is. The referee accidentally uh, gets hit by Val and Val throws him away and he kind of <laughs> slides the referee like a curling iron. It's amazing. He kind of goes flying across the ring. It's like a competitive ring. sport. You like <laughs> grease up the, the, the floor and then you throw refs as far as you can. It's a thing that old people play on like boats yeah. on like shows in the fifth set in the 50s. Like you curling. Know, they, yeah, is that what it is? It's called curling. It's when it's a disc though, is it curling as well? I don't know. Curling is the thing on the ice with the brushes, isn't it? Yeah. I don't know. I don't know sports. Me neither. I know made-up sports. <laughs> so we end this one in a DQ. The ref disqualifies Val for flinging him. I wrote down, I was enjoying that. What the fuck? <laughs> and the match ends with uh, Val Venus doing his finisher on the referee. <laughs> Which was so insulting. Let me gyrated on as well as flung across the ring. Wrestling was different back then, wasn't yeah, it? Yeah, wasn't it? You do really kind of get the sense, I guess because it's like, you know watching the current product kind of quite a lot at the moment and then dipping back here now and I'm not watching the Attitude Era kind of loads at the moment It you really do see the difference just in kind of the kinds of finishes they do the kinds of matches that they do the kinds of characters that they have I don't mm. think you would get a character like Val Venus probably ever again Yeah. <laughs> if that's a good or a bad thing we don't know <laughs> how many stars did you give it then? I did enjoy this match it was again <laughs> dynamic I liked the fact that Val Venus took Delo's chest protector off um, there were lots of funny bits in this yeah. but I had to take off points 
for Delo's excessive spitting. Yeah, he did another spit as well later on in the match. Yeah. It was like, there came a point where I stopped taking note of all the spits. Yeah, I it, just started covering my eyes. It was like when you're trying to take note of all the Brock Lesnar screams in a match. It's like, look, just fucking accept that they're going to happen. I was eating while we were watching this match as well. It was really <laughs> hard. Kind of like, ugh. Yeah. So I only gave it 2.5 stars. Now, if ever there was a reason now for us to, to distinguish Joe's star system from Dave Meltzer's. What the fuck? Does Dave Meltzer not also <laughs> take off points for spitting? He doesn't, no. Uh, oh, Tana- I've got words for him. Uh, Tanahashi had a great match, but uh, there was a lot of... Uh, there was a lot of uh, spitting. Uh, you can't have that in a match. Uh, so, yeah, no, he doesn't do that. No, he doesn't ray on the spitting. We're okay, Joe. We're not going to catch any fire, I don't think. I'm just saying he's not really thinking about his audience there, is he? I know what the people do and don't want. And I'm thinking of our fans here. Maybe they want to avoid spitting matches. For the spittle-conscious fan, yeah. there needs to be information out there. Yeah. You want to watch that eating a fucking yeah. Chinese or something? This match comes with a serious content warning of lots of spitting. Yeah. Don't drink coconut water while you're watching this match because oh. you think you're drinking a big glass of spit. That's what happened to me. It's horrible. <laughs> but other than that, it was a very good match. I enjoyed it a lot. <laughs> now, another match which we decided to look at. Very, very important match for a number of reasons. D'Lo Brown versus Jeff Jarrett from the following year's SummerSlam. D'Lo is now a... a Fiery baby face. You could tell you meant to be a heel in that last match, but the crowd fucking loved him. The rule, the rule of wrestling is this: usually, if you're a bad guy and you do entertaining stuff, it is inevitable that you will become a good guy. Like the New Day. Yeah, like New Day, it was inevitable they become good guys. Part of me thinks it's inevitable that Kevin Owens will become a good guy at some yeah. point. You just can't be that like you can't make fans enjoy stuff that much and not eventually want to turn that into dollars. Yeah. You know, but um. Dilo does become a good guy. Mm-hmm. What he's facing here is Jeff Jarrett, who's someone we've seen wrestle a few times now. Yeah, he's cropped up a bit. I'm enjoying that we're kind of getting this thing. You had it with Shawn Michaels, now we're having it with Jeff Jarrett. Guys kind of cropping up, who I think I want you to know as being good wrestlers. So it's we do funny. the eventual matches, you can kind of have a little bit of a basis. It's funny, because I don't think that highly of Jeff Jarrett from what I've seen so far. He's really? been He's been good. Mm. But not like Shawn Michaels. And I feel like Shawn Michaels really stands out yeah, every yeah. match I've seen him in. He's really stuck in my mind. Yeah, yeah. Whereas like, I feel like we've seen a few Jeff Jarrett matches and yet I still can't really remember what he looks like. <laughs> he's the one with the sunglasses who hates women. <laughs> That's, there could be a few of them. <laughs> so this match is for the European... And the Intercontinental Championship is for two belts. D'Lo Brown has the distinction of being the first man ever who won both the European and the Intercontinental Championship at the same time. Right. Which, that's like both mid-card titles. That's like someone in the US Intercontinental belts kind of now. That's like, whoa, that's a big thing. Mm. Now, in terms of doing everything you can do for a guy short of giving him a world belt, mm. that's pretty much it. Right. As in... If you're giving the guy your two mid-card titles, you're firmly saying he is the top of this heap. Yeah. So you would surely think maybe he'll go up the next level. And yet he never did. And that's really weird, I find, about, about Dilo. The fact that he could win both of those belts, be so over. Yeah. And yet still, there was a glass ceiling there for, for Dilo. He was never going to go above that mark. Do you wonder if part of that is that he's... Obviously, he's a big guy, but he's not big in a way that Vince loves. He's not hugely muscular. Mm-hmm. And also the fact that he's black. 
Because like Mark Henry obviously is a big back black star, but yep. he also has that look that um, Vince McMahon just loves. And he loves the big guys. Vince has got kind of can hang his hat on the fact that Mark Henry can be the strongest man in the world. Yeah. That's a, a thing he can Whereas say. Delo's thing is that he's like really funny and charming, and that often isn't put isn't ranked as highly, I think, among some wrestlers, mm. especially the stars. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, Delo kind of was a guy who was. Lo- I mean, here he's so slim. Like I think it's awesome, but. Obviously, you look at kind of the guys who are on top, maybe like, you know, The Rock, for instance. Mm. There you have kind of a, a black star who's maybe had like a better body, maybe, than D'Lo, and he was more charismatic. Maybe. The Rock is, yeah. He's, I mean, he's huge, huge, though, is mm. The Rock. I mm. mean, he's very slim, but also he has got those massive arms, and he's, how tall is The Rock? He's massive. 6'5", mm, Six 6'5", yeah, yeah, that's big. He's taller than D'Lo, isn't he? Yeah, it? yeah, yeah. So, I mean, it's, it's interesting to see that he kind of gets this point I think they have different ideas of what makes someone a star. Yeah. Because, I mean, there's been times before where it's like a guy like is, right, he gets a title shot, they give him a bit of a push, it doesn't work, or they, in their minds, kind of say, well, it's not going to work, and that's it. But Dilo, this is kind of really it for him in terms of the peak. Dilo peaks at this moment. It is a shame, considering it just seems so obvious that he could have gone far further if they'd given him the opportunity. Mm. Seeing as he does this so well with given this opportunity. Well, I think I always, like... Shows you how far Dilo falls after this amazing encounter is that he's the European Intercontinental Champion at one point. Now, later on in 2000, uh, Kurt Angle, he gets the same accolades. And during a promo, he comes out and goes, and I made history by becoming the first ever Eurocontinental Champion, except for Dilo Brown, but he doesn't count. (laughs) Wow. (laughs) Which is a fair stamp of like, nope. (laughs) Yeah, it's amazing. Like, I don't it's... get it. He's very good. And he's Dilo Brown once again in the opening match. The last match you watched though was also the opener for SummerSlam, which is one of the big four pay-per-views. That's quite a... It's a big responsibility. Mm-hmm. You're opening the show. You're meant to set the tone of the show, give the audience something really special. And he really delivers in this match as well. What was looming over this match as well, though, was, was Dilo Brown and Mark Henry's friendship. Ah, yes. We watched um, the friendship video package of the two of them being friends and D'Lo trying to help Mark get into shape. So, um, obviously, the the whole gimmick was that D'Lo was obviously in really good shape. Mark wasn't and had really high blood pressure. So the doctor was like, if you wrestle, you'll die. And D'Lo tried to get Mark to eat a load of vegetables yeah. and run around a bit. <laughs> Mark was having none of us. <laughs> so is that what kind of turned their friendship was literally just D'Lo helping them and Mark taking that the wrong way? Yeah, in the Attitude podcast we described that far, that Mark Henry went food mad and that right. he, he chose his, his beloved steaks over the, the bond of friendship Aww. with D'Lo praying. But yeah, they were like they were together in the nation domination. They were kind of a tag team on and off the whole time of D'Lo's run. So this kind of comes to a head here. What was really nice as well is that we got to finally hear D'Lo Brown's sweet-ass entrance music. Yeah, it's good entrance music. I think it's one of the greatest entrance musics of all time. Um, I think it's possibly in my top ten, at least. Really? Maybe even my top five. Um, what I've done, because I think that, you know, for me, I've, I've obviously gotten used to the fact that you've got an English accent now. Oh, have you? But my goodness, of it already? the people who listen to this show, they think it's fantastic. <laughs> so I was wondering if you want to um, to read out D'Lo Brown's entrance music <laughs> lyrics and see if we can get some sort of sophisticated rap going. Here we go. You're looking at the real deal now. You- 
gonna kick your sorry ass out on the street. <laughs> you used to think you own the streets. Well, pack your bags. Your ass is dead meat. Victory's sweet. Bring it on. Here's the receipt. Bring it on. What you gonna do about it? Bring it on. Is that what you got? Bring it on. What you gonna do about Bring it? Bring it on. Gonna kick your sorry ass. Wow, I like that. I also like as well that you um changed ass to arse. Well, that's how I pronounce that word. Ass. Ass. Well, I thought it might sound like I'm trying to do an American accent. That's true, arse is... I, a... I could probably read this out in my best attempt. You, know, you, but... could, you could say bum. <laughs> Bottom. <laughs> Gonna kick your sorry tushy out on the street. <laughs> so yeah, D'Lo Brown, definitely a, a man who's got amazing entrance music. Um, D'Lo comes out with Deborah, who's Jeff Jarrett's manager, who gets sick of Jeff at the start of this. Yeah, Jeff sends Deborah out to the back at yeah. the very beginning. Yeah. The crowd is chanting, asshole. Yeah. Then Deborah goes backstage and she fetches D'Lo, mm-hmm. who like brings her out with him. Yeah. And fucking hell, Jerry Lawler. I mean, I should have seen this coming. <laughs> Poor Deborah can't exist anywhere in on screen or near the ring in the vicinity of Jerry Lawler. I mean, <laughs> I did start counting the puppies. Oh, Jesus, you'd be fucking... Oh, no, I counted them. How many? Seven. Wow! Which isn't... I mean, how long was this, was this match? It wasn't that long. Maybe seven, eight minutes, maybe? So that's like one per minute. Yeah. He's, go. he's got a quota, he's got a hit. Like. I did like the fact that they kind of did all, like, they're able to kind of show how over D'Lo was. But they, they go, Deborah's like, oh, you're not allowed to be out here. Jeff sends her out. Deborah comes out with D'Lo. Yeah. The reaction that D'Lo gets when he comes out, mm. I, like, it's not a reaction, it's an ovation. Yeah. He literally gets like, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> They fucking love him. They are super over for him, yeah. And the offense in this match, um, Jeff, again, another guy of that kind of ilk who can go that kind of fast-paced style. And D'Lo is so slim here. JR obviously making reference to the fact that D'Lo was over 400 pounds Mm. at one point. Obviously, JR got the WWF Attitude Gamer Guide for N64 like I did, which had fun facts about all the wrestlers. Did you know that D'Lo Brown used to be morbidly obese? No, I didn't. Also, his finisher is up, down, left, B.A. <laughs> oh, God. Speaking of J.R., at one point, he actually calls out Lawler for his... Uh, chauvinist sexist... You sound like a male chauvinist pig. <laughs> About damn time, like. But then having said that, I mean, the crowd is just as bad as Lawler here with a We Want Puppies chant. You, you notice the crowd, the makeup of the crowd. Nowadays, it's like... Smart fans and families. Yeah. Back then it was smart fans and like frat boys, kind of college kids. Yeah. You know, that kind of aggressive type of an audience. Yeah. That's what they they attracted that like. At one point, Jerry Lawler even refers to Deborah, who is a real human being, believe it or not, as the puppies are back with Jeff. You're using a collective term to describe a singular item. She is just the puppies. <laughs> Fucking hell, Jerry Lawler. He's, 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 he's distracting, let's just say. Now, what's great about D'Lo in this match is the fact that we talked about him, obviously he was a heel, and you get so entertaining as a heel, then you get to be a face. Mm. Seeing him doing his spots now, not as a, I'm going to keep you down or shut down offense, as in, I'm the guy building the momentum. Yeah. Here's my fire, here's my comeback. Holy shit. Now, Jeff bounces around the ring like a pinball from, mm. but D'Lo is so snappy and explosive and boom, boom, boom. Really kind of gives me like vibes of like a Sami Zayn type of... Yeah. You know, just that real kind of fast-paced, big moves, has the crowd flowing with him all the time. You know, everything kind of seems to fit in nicely. And I adore watching D'Lo as a face and the crowd 
love him. Yeah. They love him. And considering Dino's not a guy who would open up a show and get a microphone and go, let me tell you something about, you know, they never gave him mic time, rarely got backstage segments. I mean, even though he got matches, he got time in the ring, he never got a lot of focus in terms of big picture stuff. Mm. And yet still, the crowd adored him. That just, I think, really goes to show the extent of his talent mm. it's really you have to be so talented to be able to pull that off without getting mic time and that is a, a crowd as well and we mentioned they're, they're kind of maybe less of the crowd that you get now which is kind of kids and smart fans back in the atmosphere maybe a little bit more rowdy the kind of crowd yeah there are so many atmosphere pay-per-views where we reviewed and we're like Jesus Christ this crowd don't give a fuck about wrestling mm. they like to see Steve Austin yeah. they like to see Undertaker do the, the lightning they like to see the weird shit they don't actually want to watch a 20 minute wrestling match mm. that sends him to sleep and yet still even this with a crowd who's kind of almost opposed to wrestling in some ways Deal gets over not through the wackiness not through driving out in a beer truck or doing any kind of wacky stunt just by being entertaining in the ring Yeah, which not many people can say they got over that way during the Attitude Era he misses a huge big senton bomb and then Mark Henry appears and he grabs Jeff's guitar and he betrays Deal O'Brien and not only does the deal get this huge ovation and all that, but the booze that Mark Henry yeah. gets, they do not want to see this man get hit with a guitar. No. Literally the last thing they wanted to see. <laughs> Jeff Jarrett wins, and Mark Henry stands over D'Lo Brown and unbuttons his shirt, seemingly to show dominance. Wait, he unbuttons D'Lo's shirt? No, he unbuttons his own his shirt. His own shirt. Yes, he's standing Yeah. Uh, look at my chest. The crowd got their poppies after all. <laughs> <laughs> oh man you want puppies <laughs> Mark Henry's got plenty of that like what do you think of this match really fast paced seeing D'Lo as a good guy as opposed to a bad guy I think Jeff Jarrett is such a great like guy to be in with a fast paced baby face because he can keep up that you know, yeah. he's not like just oh, I'm a big guy and I'm going to slow you down it's just bam 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 he's bam, good bam. at being flung places as well as Jarrett absolutely goes for a few glag A sleepers in this one as well oh yeah I always forget that's the glag A guy what were your thoughts on that match then I liked it. It was very fun. Mm. Um, I gave it 3.5 stars mm. out of 5. Mm. Lost points for the puppies. Yeah. Thanks, Lola, for ruining the star rating. <laughs> but yeah, no, I thought it was a lot of fun and it was really interesting seeing D'Lo as a face. Yeah. He does both so well. So yeah, we mentioned already, you know, D'Lo not getting the push that you would have thought considering how super over he is. Now, what's really weird about the end of 1999, very, very weird... Not only have you got someone like Adil O'Brien who's super duper over, really, really over. Steve Austin, injured, has to go away for in a year. Undertaker, also injuries, has to go away for quite a long time. They're losing two of their top stars. Wow. And yet, no one seems to kind of think, think hey, that, hey, Adil O'Brien could kind of be brought up to that level. I get so worried that I, I can so see that happening really easily with Cesaro. Hmm? Yeah, just kind of like, sorry, you know, someone else. A couple of things happen with that. Now, it's not a simple case of Dilo's completely overlooked. A couple of kind of things happened in his career which didn't go his way. Firstly, um, Vince Russo, who was the writer at the time, a huge fan of Dilo, obviously. That's good. He was a big, big fan of Dilo. It must always be useful to be good friends with the writer. Absolutely, yeah. And it wasn't just a case of, oh, that they're buddy buddies or something like that. It was just a case that he thought Dilo was entertaining. He thought there was a lot to do with D'Lo, like all the stuff with D'Lo and Mark, that was all like Russo liked to do, that kind of bit of comedy and stuff. So he always had stuff for him, yeah. and he was always a big idea about pushing him. The reason why you've got D'Lo winning both of those belts, a large part of it would have been down to the likes of Russo pushing for him. 
Now, at the end of 1999, Vince Russo left the WWF to go work elsewhere. Right. And in that process, left a big vacuum of writers that needed to be filled. And Russo literally went on, you know, people like Dave Meltzer's radio show saying, kind of like, oh, do you think that, you know, he was speaking bad about the company after he left and saying things like, hey, do you think that the likes of D.L. O'Brien are going to get a push now that I'm gone? You know? And while he was probably true about that, what he was doing at the same time as well was quite harshly branding D.L.O. as being a Vince Russo guy. Oh, I see. And you could look, literally, you could draw a line. You know, when we were doing the editorial podcast, we, 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 we were flummoxed by it. From like 98 all the way up to around this point, every single pay-per-view had some sort of D.L.O. Brown match where he at least had a good shot at stealing the show. After that, it was just kind of like, yeah. And not just him, like the whole European title division, a lot of guys just kind of... Vince was more directly in charge now of writing the show and along with a couple of guys and, you know, they had great shows still, but the likes of D'Lo Brown didn't fit into the plans going forward. They brought in a lot of talent from WCW, a lot of mid-carders like Chris Jericho and Chris oh. Benoit and all that. And all of a sudden they've got all their shiny new Buzz Lightyears and Woody is not as uh, cool as he once was, <laughs> to, to use a Toy Story analogy again. A really sad thing happened to D'Lo Brown, though. Oh, no. He's not dead, is he? No, no, no. Like no, no. Mr. Perfect. No, D'Lo's <laughs> alive and well. No, um, a really no, tragic thing, and it happens in wrestling, where there are kind of really sad freak moments. He seriously injured a wrestler. Um, oh, God. A very seriously injured wrestler. Do you know Droz? Um, I've heard of Droz. He's the guy. He was the guy from Beyond the Match at the start. He's the guy who's puking into the bucket. Oh, Jesus, him. The one who can puke on command. Yeah, he can puke on command. D'Lo's having a match with Droz. Mm. And this was not a non-televised match, but he's having a match with Droz. He picked him up for his running powerbomb. And for whatever reason, the move went wrong. Droz landed very badly. Uh, Droz ended up being paraplegic. Oh, my God. God. Now, there was a point where they thought that he was going to be quadriplegic, but it ended up being that he's, he's paraplegic. Now, Droz has worked with WWE since and has lived a... I'm sure they looked after him. Yeah, they did. And he's, li- he's lived quite a... He's lived quite a nice life. You know, yeah. it's not as if his life was, you know... No, but, but for D'Lo, God, I mean... We, we talked about this before where it was like a lot of people had this whole thing. And because that event happened quite close to Vince Russo leaving, people thought, ah, you paralysed arrestor, so therefore you're going to be buried... Now, we obviously thought that was like the most ridiculous thing to think mm. that, as if Vince McMahon, if he thought that, was going to keep a man employed. The truth is, is that it was an accident. Some people say, oh, a drink was thrown into the ring. D'Lo disputes that. Like, he slipped on that. It was just... It Hang on. So you're saying some people think it wasn't an accident? Oh, no, 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 no. Some people thought that the reason why the accident happened was because someone had thrown a drink into the ring and they slipped on it. Oh, I see. And, like, you know, that was the cause of the accident. But it wasn't. It was just a... I'm sure this know. kind of stuff is... Yeah, yeah, I mean, I mean you saw the, dangerous. I mean, you saw the movie, you saw how dangerous it was, you saw the kind of the close call that Val had. Needless to say, he wasn't doing that move afterwards. No. But it very, you can imagine the effect it had on d Yeah. And, you know, where it was, you know, he was with draws in his hospital bed, you know, the whole time. Oh, he was bloody. completely beside himself. Yeah. Um, it's really, really sad, like, thing to think that, because draws was a guy who was he's a very young wrestler and he was also a guy who was kind of like hey he's gonna be someone maybe in five six years kind of he was a rookie kind of and for that to happen and D'Lo was never known as an unsafe wrestler now I remember watching a shoot interview with D'Lo you know where he talks to the camera kind of for, for a while and this would have been geez I'd say if it was six or seven years after the fact a long time and you know Draws has made his peace with them they're, yeah. they're okay 
but as soon as they start talking about it, Dilo is in floods of tears. Oh. Just really cut up about it. And I don't know if he was ever the same after that. Yeah. Mm. The combination of the fact that he wasn't featured on TV, that was looming over him, is really horrible because you really don't see a lot of D'Lo then after that fact. You know, he just kind of, the new guys came in, D'Lo was just kind of like a, a jobber, kind of an opening card guy. He still had his odd match here and there. But that really did kind of put a horrible a mark on his career. And it's really, really sad because Draws was one of my favourite wrestlers as a kid. Oh, no. And when that all happened, I was just, I remember being, couldn't think, I was like, it had to be a storyline, it How couldn't be real. How you deal with that as a child? Like, two of your favourite guys... I imagine that must be so difficult. It was really, to I remember really. Especially seeing yeah. as you're constantly being told, like, both that wrestling is real and that wrestling is fake. Yeah. And it's like, oh, but it's so dangerous. But oh, I knew it's real. I knew it was real. I knew that what had happened was real. But I guess because it was like 99 and there wasn't a lot of internet and stuff like that, I wasn't as informed. So I only knew what they told me. And literally, the last thing was like. Draws is in the hospital. It's good news because he's they thought he was going to be quadriplegic. Yeah. He's got, you know, he's, you know, he's he's not going to die. They hope that he might walk again someday. And that was literally it. That was the last I ever heard until like, you know, four years later when I find out he's writing for WWE.com. <laughs> so it was really, really sad, like, that that kind of happened. It, it was fucked up as a kid. I remember being, being really fucked up because it was yeah. just like, for a while, I was just like, hey, where's Draws? Because it was as if, like, it happened on TV. And then the kind of the news kind of trickled out a little bit, and it's really, really sad. That's and I so sad. remember kind of for a while, like because Dilo was just so unfeatured, I almost forgot about him as a wrestler. And it was only through doing the FCR podcast I was like, "Oh fucking course, Dilo Brown, Jesus, he's so good, he's so entertaining." Mm. What? Why did I forget about Dilo? And I'm not to say like, "Oh, this happened, so I forgot about him." But this happened. He lost it. He lost some of his. Passion you, it adds, or something. Uh, yeah, you can totally see why it would you can only imagine. taint it for you. Because you, every match from now on, I imagine you'd have it in the back of your mind. Like, you probably play that moment over and over and over again. You can't imagine the amount of times that that's went over in his head. Yeah, I, yeah, I honestly can't think of anything. That's really horrible. They try, accidents yeah. happen in wrestling and, and that's yeah, the unfortunate awkward, reality. It's like one of those things that like, I'm sure Droz, he knew going into wrestling, yes, it's a field where you get injured and sometimes careers are ended. Mm. So you can kind of understand how he can make his peace with that and go, right, well, I knew what I was getting in for. But I think doing it to someone and knowing you've ended their career is... Wow. Yeah, it's not like... There's wrestlers who, have, who similar things have happened to mm. in the past... But I think in terms of just like that, it's, it was so high profile. You'd as always well. hold yourself responsible, even if it's like just an accident, not your fault or yeah. anything. You just would, wouldn't you? Yeah, and that's just the, the, the sad reality so of it. Did he land on his like neck or his back? Well, there's or... no footage of it, so because it was. Did, did not they ever taped. talk about how? It's just like he. I think he like he just he dropped him while, as he was running, as far as I could tell. Like that's what happened. Like he fell out and he slipped and. They landed awkwardly. Oh, dear. And then Draws, like, couldn't get up, and that, that kind of was it. Like, and so how soon did this happen after the match we just watched? A month or two, maybe. Oh, Very, God. very shortly. Yeah, it was towards the end of 99. Um, that makes sense, then, why that was his peak, really. Yeah. I kind of thought, when he said that, I was like, oh, WWE probably buried him. Yeah, didn't realise I mean, there was a, there was a little of that. I'm sure I mean, there is, but can see why he might lose his own motivation a bit. I think that's it. It's not the case that they're kind of like, well, you fucked up, so you're being yeah. buried. But I think it was a combination of, well, 
the, the writer who's writing for you is, is not there. He's kind of, you've kind of got that taint almost of being associated with someone who's not with the company anymore. And then the own personal thing of having to deal with that. The fear of it maybe happening again. Yeah, I, I would say he lost his spark after this. Yeah, that's not... You know, he was not the, the same wrestler. He was still a very amazing wrestler, yeah. but they didn't give him the opportunity to show it as much. And at some points, like, I showed Joe Royal Rumble 2001 so she could see the depths to which they put D'Lo. Mm. Him in lowdown with Chaz and Tiger Ali Singh, which was one of the saddest fucking things I've ever seen. What a waste. So D'Lo briefly in 2001 was given a gimmick that he was, um, I think it was like a Buddhist gimmick? Or a Hindu? I'm not sure. It's fucked up, man. It's like... I don't know if that's my own lack of knowledge of many religions or if it's just WWE's lack of knowledge of All I remember is that Tiger Ali Singh, the guy who was having the interaction with Vince, all I remember is him saying that he didn't like being made to wear a turban because he was either Sikh or something where they don't wear the turban. Vince was like, you wear the goddamn turban kind of thing. It was right. like, so I think even by their own estimation, they didn't know. They were just kind of like, hey, it's just fucking, you know evil foreigners wearing turbans and robes. So you got D'Lo Brown coming out, like, dressed like the three wise men with his fucking turban on him. Yeah. With Chaz, who's as white as a fucking sheet as well. It's, whoa! Yeah. <laughs> now, uh, we're obviously watching BoJack Horseman at the moment where they think it's okay for a white person to do uh, an Asian person's voice. But um, <laughs> this might be stretching that a little bit more than that. Yeah. WWE has had some fucked up uh, issues with oh, I'm race sure portrayal. Oh, I'm sure scratching the surface of some yeah. of the shit that's gone down. But they can't use the excuse of, it was the 80s, so it was okay. It was fucking 2001. <laughs> we, oh. we knew better than that. Yeah. And then Drew Carey was there. Yeah, so they were saying that the whole... What was lovely about the segment was that you get to see the embarrassing gimmick and also the fact that they treated him like a joke mm. in that he was kicked out of the Royal Rumble. And replaced by the comedian Drew Carey. Yeah. And it's kind of like, it was really kind of, ah, he shit. <laughs> it's very sad. It is. I mean, you've always got to have the kind of comedy shit wrestler. Heath Slater on the current show at the moment. He's like, his whole thing is that he's a loser. But he's like, that's his fucking whole gimmick. Yeah, it's always been like, he's never really been a shining beacon of like, wow, look at that guy. He's so talented. Unlike D'Lo. I mean, yeah, it's, it's like, I think Heath is amazing in that role, whereas D'Lo, you just see that and it's kind of like, Jesus Christ, you're humiliating the guy. Yeah. You know, you really are kind it is of... It's an insult to someone like him. Like, if you see D'Lo Brown, you watch the... I mean, that's why I showed you that thing, because it was like, you see those three matches, and when I showed you that clip, you probably didn't expect to see D'Lo Brown in a tournament being kicked out of the Royal Rumble for Drew Carey. No. That's kind of like, how do you use D'Lo Brown for that? I just assumed that, because I, I know how WWE does this to wrestlers, like they will miss such fantastic talent. They will, mm. cause I can completely understand how it happens. There's so many stars out there. It's, it's impossible to, you know, prioritize them all equally. Mm. So I just assumed it was like, oh, we forgot how great D'Lo was. Because, um, you know, sometimes they get a guy and it's like, they don't know why he's good and then they kind of fuck it up. Yeah. And it's like, so they've not seen it. But what was weird deal is the fact that they had seen it and then they go, actually, no, let's fucking waste them instead. But I suppose in retrospect, maybe it was just the Vince Russo saw it. Maybe they, Vince McMahon, never really quite understood what it was that made D'Lo so fantastically likeable. What truly irritated me is that all the while you're having this, D'Lo being wasted this kind of thing, 
we never got... I mean, they had matches randomly on, like, unimportant shows, but we never had, like, D'Lo and Chris Jericho. Yeah, big feud for a belt. That would be so cool. Eddie Guerrero and D'Lo. Chris Benoit and D'Lo. Dean Malenko and D'Lo. Taz and D'Lo. All these big names that were coming in. I none of them except for Chris Jericho. They're the ones that are really good. Take my word All for right. it. <laughs> But yeah, I mean, I'd love to have seen Dino against some... I mean, Jeff Jarrett's great, X-Pac's great. They were all good opponents that he went up against. But yeah, it'd be fantastic to see him up against a big, big star. Well, the last thing, the last match that we watched, which I thought was kind of nice, is like just a little kind of asterisk and kind of, hey, the guy was still amazing. But it was weird when you told me what this match... Well, who it was going to be against. This is like literally one of my all-time favourite overlooked little matches. Out of context, not knowing... <laughs> the length and the type of match this was would have been like oh wow really that's great for D'Lo fucking hell that's really cool D'Lo Brown taking on world champion Triple H yeah, in 2002 yeah. but it is a blindfold match yeah now what is a blindfold match what did you think a blindfold match would be when we watched it at the start I assumed a blindfold match would be a match where they both wear blindfolds and yeah. they have to hit each other and I was pretty close pretty damn close they wear sacks over their heads <laughs> Almost like they're being hung in um, yeah. Deadwood. What did you think about like the, the blindfold match as a concept? Do you think it's like one of those things that's too stupid to work? Or <laughs> I mean, I thought, before I watched this match, I assumed that this was something that maybe happened a few times and was always... I, I kind of figured, yeah, they'd take the blindfold off the heel, would like take advantage of yeah, that, yeah, yeah. And, like, distract the ref and stuff, which, which does happen in this. But I assumed that they'd at least try and make out as though the wrestlers still had an idea of what was going on and they'd still be able to kind of fight yeah. almost normally. The idea being, oh, you know, they can secretly see But they do such facts. a great job of pretending that they can't see. They completely... They, when they start, they're just, like, fumbling around desperately and they Feel so good, like. narrowly miss each other when they're trying to find out where the other one is. I fucking adore it. Really, it's some pantomime comedy gold. Like when they, really they start throwing punches in the air, for instance. And they both do it the exact... It's really well choreographed, mm. even though you're supposed to think that, you know, they don't know what's going on, they can't see each other. You, you know it's planned. Yeah, yeah, yeah. A lot of attention's gone into that. The fact that they both go to hit each other at the exact same moment and they both miss and they both, like, fall on their backs. Or when, like, D'Lo, <laughs> out of the blue, manages to punch Triple H and the crowd reacts yeah. and then he goes like this and he grabs the referee to punch him. He's like, no! <laughs> <laughs> and there's a great moment where uh, Triple H has D'Lo in the corner. And he gives him a telling <laughs> off. He's about to give him a proper telling off, but D'Lo, like, doesn't realise where Triple H is and wanders off. <laughs> and then you watch Triple H in the corner just yelling at nothing. And then he goes to grab him and, like, completely whips and Ric Flair desperately trying to shout instructions to Triple H. The match is literally 150 seconds. Yeah. It's so short, but I I had to show it to you because it was one of the few stand-up moments that D-Lo was able to be given, you know, after, you know, 99. Yeah. And just to show, like, so few people can do a blindfold match. The reason they've only done a few of them is because it requires a level of pantomime like yeah. even the little things like Triple H before he hit D'Lo he, he seemed like he's putting out his foot to feel if he's there and then he hits him it's so subtle it's actually for such a silly pantomime match there's so much more thought that has oh, to go in because yeah. everything you do you have to kind of prefix with a I have to find him first and it's funny that it's Triple H because you were saying recently you were t- telling me about how Triple H was the first wrestler to have entrance music which suits the goes along to the beat of the music he really, well, he's like I don't know if he's the first but I know he's definitely like a One pioneer of, the, of anyway. the kind of that style yeah so you know he's very good at planning 
and choreographing. Yeah. You've got to be to, to do entrances like that. And you'd have to be for this match as well. Yeah. You would need to be able to have that physical timing. And also, <laughs> it, was just, it was great seeing Triple H in a comedy role as well. Yeah, such a random, us. weird little match. It seems yeah. so strange. The random, weird match to see like the world champion. But actually, have... it does make sense because it's... It's something that could only be done by a few people. And, you know, Triple H wins this by, like, cheating. He takes off his hood when Ric Flair distracts the uh, the referee and he pedigrees D'Lo. I really, really like this match. It's, it's such a fun little match. And best of all, this show was sponsored by Subway. Eat fresh. Eat fresh. Before the W was PG and they couldn't have all the, the sponsors that they wanted, obviously. <laughs> so I enjoyed this match. It was a lot of fun. How many stars would you give it? I'd give it five stars. Really? Yeah, it was a really fun funny match it was short you probably didn't expect to see that did you no and it's definitely one I don't know if it's something that you'd want to show a new new fan like you know someone who's never seen any wrestling before in their life it might be a bit you're Maybe. giving them a false idea of what wrestling is yeah. someone who's watched a bit and they're looking for a few more silly short matches this is perfect for that yeah October 7th 2002 it is on the network the Raw Roulette episode uh, make sure you check that one out D'Lo left the company shortly thereafter he came back very briefly in like 2007 just again to be an enhancement guy he was gone within a matter of months as far as i know and really that was it for kind of delo and wwe um he had some pretty amazing matches in tna he wrestled for them in a bit in 2003 wrestling the likes of aj styles i was lucky enough very strangely to see delo in ring of honor when I was over in 2008 for WrestleMania 25, D'Lo wrestled awesome. at Ring of Honor, which was awesome because when he was wrestling his match, all of us just stood up and started doing the head wobble and Randy going, you better recognize! Was he really good? <laughs> he was awesome. He was really, really great. Has he stayed like in the same t- like tier of wrestling? Is he still just as good as he was? And- he was... I mean, when I saw him in 2008, he was also wrestling a little bit in Japan. I think he was really trying just to kind of shake off the dust of being I, that kind of low, you know, entry-level jobber wrestler. I bet Japan would be perfect for him. Yeah, and it was great. He did kind of, you know, he, he got himself a bit more notoriety. Yeah. He did have some great matches. Probably wasn't like, you know, it's not as if he like redefined himself, maybe. It's not as if everyone talks at length about, you know, his Ring of Honor run and stuff like that. But I think for him, it was probably quite important, Mm. you know, to be able to do that. What he settled into then towards, you know, the 2010s, uh, he became a producer for TNA, helping guys put together matches on random occasions, coming out to pull apart brawls and all that. But isn't TNA supposed to be rubbish now? I'll be honest, you've had, you know, you've got a not-so-great opinion of TNA, well, um, to be fair, I've seen... only been watching wrestling the last you know year or two, and since that in that time, TNA has not gone over particularly well. Because the reality is, so many of the wrestlers from that time, maybe before more so, have died. Yeah, that's really sad. And when you hear that, hey, a guy you love from the Attitude Era, it's not like no, they didn't die in their forties from a horrible. You know, they're they're working, they're being a producer, they're helping the next generation. That, I like to hear that. That's awesome. You know, that's yeah. that's that's, that's the as, you best know. possible news. So yeah, maybe D'Lo never got to be the world champion, or D'Lo never got to be the main eventer that he should have been. Because there's no doubt in my mind that he definitely should have. I always thought I was like, oh, this is just this nostalgia thing in my head. Revisiting it with the Atira podcast and introducing it with you, that just confirms in my mind he should have been a way bigger star. Absolutely, yeah. Than he was, and I think the sad thing is, is that the combination of some politics. Some bullshit and some tragedy 
mm. all mixed together to kind of maybe not give him the career that he should have had. I really hate the fact that when you go on to the network and you go on to, you know, random kind of retrospectives, he's not someone that gets mentioned. No. Mark Henry mentioned D'Lo Brown in Ride Along. That's probably the first time I think I've heard D'Lo mentioned on WBTV in years. Wow. It's not because he was someone who never made, it's like, oh, one of the all-time greats, D'Lo Brown. They won't mention him. JBL won't rattle off a D'Lo Brown fight. But he hasn't got, like, beef with the company, has he? No. Because you've mentioned before how they're kind of running out of wrestlers to bring back in at this point. Yeah. They're kind of quickly cycling through all the ones that are still around. Do you think there's any chance at all D'Lo will be brought to WWE? In any role. I don't mean necessarily as a wrestler. Jeez, you could do a lot worse than having D'Lo Brown down there in the performance centre. I think it would do them a lot of good. He's not going to pop for fucking steroids doing a weightlifting competition mm-hmm. like Billy Gunn <laughs> But uh, I would say if he came back, it would be in that kind of a role. Absolutely. Again, though, like... It seems a bit random to compare him to Daniel Bryan when they're such different wrestlers. But like he seems very multi-talented in that he could go through... Like, he could be a commentator, I reckon. Mm-hmm. He could do training. He could be a manager in on screen. He could do all of those things. I just think it's the fact that I think they have it in their heads that people don't remember him or care that much about him. Oh, I think and I think they're wrong. Yeah. I think they're dead, dead wrong. Because I think it's a lot of people, if all they could see if they did like a video package on, they'd be like, oh, fucking yeah, D-Lo. I think that's it, because people aren't going to talk about him now because they have not much reason to. Your fucking network is hard enough to navigate as it is. You're not going (laughs) to stumble across D-Lo brand gold, are you? But like when we announced that this episode was going to be on D-Lo, we got so many people going, what? Never thought you'd do an episode. That's fantastic. Yeah. He is a lot of people's favourite guy. I think people just don't. And that's why I think he'd go really well for fans that aren't familiar with him already. The only thing I'll tell you about Dino Brown, this probably will tell you a little bit of where he resides in the fans' hearts. It was during Survivor Series 2011, Big Show and Mark Henry had a world title match. You can imagine how that went. (laughs) (laughs) The crowd started chanting they were bored. They started chanting sexual chocolate at Mark Henry, and then they all started chanting Dino Brown. Madison Square Garden, all of them chanting for D'Lo Brown, solely because Mark Henry was in the ring and they were bored, and they all remembered D'Lo Brown. Wow. So he's there. In the fans' minds and consciousness. Yeah. It's just up to WWE whether or not they want to, you know, exploit on that. Heaven forbid, make some fucking money. Yeah. (laughs) So that's Steelo Brown. Maybe time now to check out some tweets and Facebook posts about the man you better recognize. Well, folks, uh, earlier this week, the former European champion, the esteemed D'Lo Brown, was out on the town in London. Our cameras are there to document it for you. I hear him in the heart of all Europe. It's all right. There's Buckingham Palace. I told the queen we need to straighten that damn circle thing out, make a damn straight road. But anyway, hey, I wonder if she's in. Oh, it's good to be back home. I haven't been here in a long time. I almost see my office lights still on. I left my key. I mean, if I just... Queenie! See, our window's open up there. Queenie! Driver, what? There you go, mate. What the hell is this? Hey, Mark Henry took the other car. He told me to come and pick you up. Mark Henry gave you this car? He gave me this car. You brought this out of your driveway. You brought this out of your driveway, man. Where's my where's my stretch limo? Where's my Guinness? Mark Henry took the limo. He told me to be with this. Look, I can't fit in this thing. It's Mark Henry's fault. <laughs> See, I'm sitting here on the bank of the famous Thames River, and I can't believe it. No, it's the Thames River. No, it's the Thames. I'm sure you'll find it's the Thames. Damn, Taurus, get away from me. 
You see, I just got off the phone with the queen herself, and she just laid down a royal proclamation that no longer will that be called Big Ben. From this point on, that is called Big D in honor of D-Lo Brown. Hey, Here's someone who knows me. Tito Brown. Right you, there it is. He's the king, the European champion. I want right. to be again. Just look at this. I just got one thing to say, and you better recognize who the hell I am. It's so great to be European. <laughs> so this one's from Jeff Wrestling Fan. He says, more than a walk, a neck, and a theme song, but sadly, more than what he achieved in the ring. We never saw his full potential in WWE. What is great about D'Lo Brown is that he's someone that if he was not talented, you just go, oh, that's the guy with that stupid fucking head wobble. Like, there's so many guys in WCW where it's like, oh, that's the guy with that stupid fucking dance, and he's shit. But D'Lo Brown brought you in with the silly gimmick, and then made you stay and become a fan with the amazing wrestler. You think you do? You underestimate D'Lo when you first see him. Yeah, it's like, oh, he wibbles, he's, <laughs> oh, he wibbles his head then, is that it? Yeah, and also he's an amazing wrestler. Yeah. That's it as well. You know, very a one-two punch there. Wrestle Wrestling says, I love D'Lo's chicken shit chest protector, a la Roman Reigns, that he wore for months despite his torn pec being completely healed. How long did he wear that chest protector in the end? He ended up wearing it for, oh, Jesus, I think it was around six months in total. Like, he was wearing it for... Up and he was to start in ninety nine, he still had it as far as I know, and it happened in ninety eight, the injury, June it was, so yeah. That's such a funny heel gimmick. I love that. They should do more of that. Absolutely. I really want like someone like Chris Jericho to have a really minor wound which they overcompensate for with like ridiculous bandages or protection or something. I just like the idea of wrestlers weaseling out because of medical reasons. Yeah. Like that time the Miz wouldn't face Batista and he made Daniel Bryan do it instead. It's like, because I have this doctor's note. And he holds up <laughs> literally a piece of paper that says doctor's note in clearly his own writing. Yeah. Oh, I'm not the only one who thinks this then. Wrong Island, that's Teamy, yeah. who requests the episode, says, am I right in thinking there's more than a smidgen of D'Lo in Kevin Owens' fight style? I think there's a bit of, absolutely. Yeah. A big guy that moves fast, mouths off all the fucking time mm. you replace a head wobble with a chin lock and you've got Kevin Owens <laughs> Gary Ross 1989 says he was my go-to on the first Smackdown game I made him WWF champion as well as hardcore IC and European <laughs> loads of people play as D'Lo on wrestling games oh yeah no, he's, he, and it's because of that unique moveset yeah right? the cool moves because in a lot of the wrestling games when the guy didn't have interesting enough moves, they'd give him a lot of default moves, like the shoulder block, the elbow, you know. D'Lo had his calf kick, his running power bombs, his hurricane rounds, he had all this cool shit that other wrestlers didn't have in the games. That's really cool, because I kind of would have imagined, and I might be completely wrong by saying this, that if they did that now, with like 2K16, 2K17, a mid-card guy like him, his moves would probably be forgotten a little bit. Yeah, probably. Am I right in thinking that? Yeah, it's hard to know. I mean, sometimes they've been really good with the, the moves they apply to guys, and other times it seems years are very, very lazy. Yeah. Inconsistent, I would say, usually is how it they is. are. Big Boss Fan says, D'Lo was a coach on ITV's Celebrity Wrestling, which was hosted by Roddy Piper oh, about Jesus. 10 years ago. And thank you very much for two things. Number one, having an awesome Twitter handle. Number two, giving me an idea for maybe a bonus episode to do with the Asher podcast with uh, Joe appearing alongside. Yay! That would be a fun one to do. I haven't watched this Celebrity Wrestling thing, but I really want to. It's fucking awful. A few people sent As far in. as I know, only two episodes got aired and then it got cancelled. Damn. So, Yeah. yeah. Gary Beeson says, greatest walk in wrestling history, a technician in the ring, funny, entertaining, and immensely talented. Absolutely. I would agree with that. 
Tugboat Thompson, that's Mark, who this episode is for, says, We'd love to hear Joe's thoughts on the chest protector gimmick. It's so wrestling. It is the most wrestling thing I think we've talked about today. Is it? So what what does that... So it's so wrestling, as in, like, what lots of people... Well, only in wrestling would you have a guy who's got a chest protector. I guess. You know, it's so fucking ridiculous. (laughs) Like, a chest protector... I mean, I I love the fact that they just made this chest protector. And I bet if you looked up what actual chest protectors look like for people who've had injuries, I bet it looks nothing like that. (laughs) I just say, I mean, I don't think I'd have known it was for medical reasons unless you'd told me. I remember distinctly my cousin, when he started, he started watching wrestling around 99, or so late 98, early 99, where D'Lo was wearing the chest protector so often that the announcers didn't even make much of a deal about it anymore. And he didn't even know it was a chest protector, he just thought it was his top. Jeff Maxfield one says, a great utility guy I definitely have more respect for. I mean, he let Dan Seven basically kill him for our enjoyment. <laughs> he died for our sins. <laughs> right Snake says, my least favourite D'Lo moment was the crowd chanting his name at Angelo Dawkins at Download Festival. Hashtag casual racism. Yeah. Hell. This is something which I, I remember there was a big thread about it on Reddit. Um, that it was a big thing that was happening, which is like you had a lot of kind of fans who were there, and I think they. It's one of those things where it's people doing racist things without realizing how fucking racist it is. Yeah, I'm sure they think that's like a sign of respect, and they're like, oh. Here's a, a black dude in a singlet with a shaved head who's got some sort of swagger because Angela Dawkins has a bit of a walk. That does not make him deal around. No. That is, that is pretty racist. And like, no matter what your intentions are, and I like to think the best of people, I like to think that people didn't think that was racist. They no, I don't think it was like they, a. Because they like Delo, they like Angelo, but it's still racist. Yeah, you gotta, you gotta maybe think a little bit more carefully when you're uh, chatting stuff like that. Because I mean, I don't think they all met beforehand. It's like, hey, let's undermine the black wrestler. Yeah, because honestly, how but, is that gonna feel for Angelo Dawkins? Yeah. I don't think he's gonna. Yeah. Hey, not a bad wrestler to be compared to. Absolutely not, but still context come the fuck I mean on. come on he's got he's wearing two headbands can you appreciate that at least <laughs> Jake GC UK says I always wanted a D-Lo chest protector just for wearing around the house like oh man Tony that thing looks so fucking comfy Do wear that with a pair of Zabaz you want one? absolutely I'll see if I can get one I hope I have more success with that than the Kurt Angle jacket I never managed to find <laughs> Ryan Droid says as a kid I thought the Sky High was the most beautiful finisher in the world I'd rewatch it over and over again I love Sky High because D-Lo Ryan with the right opponent could get that person up so fucking high it was incredible so the Sky High what, picks him up some right. wrestling dolls here's Hulk, wrestling. Hulk Hogan and Kurt Angle oh jeez I fucking use Hulk Hogan what are you talking about I used Kevin Owens and Brock Lesnar I guess because Kevin Owens as we say yeah chant D-Lo Brain at Kevin Owens and be less fucking racist fans how about that like you know uh, right so what Sky High is is the person runs against the ropes and then he grabs them by the waist, he lifts them up like that, and he puts his leg out, and then he sits them down like that. Ah. So he picked, he's really, he caught um, Val so, off the top rope with that. Does he not land on his foot then? The no, he, his, his legs are out, and oh, the person kind of gets tucked nicely in there, kind of into like a sit-down powerbomb position right. he goes. Fucking That's brilliant. It. Love it. That's a good move. Very, very good move. This one's nice. The FBK13 says, Saw D-Lo at PCW two years ago. And everyone started chanting, D'Lo is a legend. Oh! He looked so chuffed, and it was awesome. I must say, PCW, uh, now that we're in a part of the world where we can actually see wrestling, but PCW seems to be doing a really fucking awesome job the last few years of bringing in guys like a D'Lo Brown, who it's like everyone fucking loves, but maybe doesn't get the big fucking payday or anything like that. Suit Williams says, genuinely was not expecting to ever hear how to D'Lo Brown. 
Well, what kind of a boyfriend would I be if I deny Joanna Graham the fucking beauty and brilliance of D'Lo Brown? I, I, I'll i be honest, I'm so happy that yeah. we have, have done this. I can see how, like, if he hadn't been requested, it's, there's literally no reason why, like, we would personally bring it up because he's not currently relevant, he's not in the show. It's as if you not knowing about D'Lo Brown would get in the way of you understanding wrestling no. as a whole. You could, it's really weird, you could just remove D-Lo from wrestling it's, it's sad, and yeah. you would still get it all, kind of, but, So I'm yeah. really, really happy that we've come across, it's, it kind of reminds me of Mr. Perfect in a way, in that it's someone who's not talked about much anymore, but who should be, Yeah, He's very talented. Absolutely. Couple of posts over here on facebook.com forward slash how to wrestling, for those of you who enjoy your long form discussions about wrestlers. Andrew Dunn here saying, hell of a wrestler who never reached his full potential. He had two returns after the Ashdera. 2002, he came back in amazing shape. He would complain about being held down due to being black before he disappeared again. The second was in 2008 when he was given absolutely nothing. He could have been a solid mid-carder for years, but was never ever given that opportunity. Brad Adib was saying, didn't pay much attention to D'Lo when I was first watching wrestling, but when he came out in that body armor-like chest protector, I thought, oh, this guy knows what's up. I felt like the smartest kid in the world because I knew that D'Lo Brown did not need his chest protector. He was just (laughs) using it to enhance the power of his frog splash. It was like a secret between the two of us. Also, I'm an instant fan of anyone with a great spine buster. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. Gordon Wingate saying, the most elasticated neck in sports entertainment. (laughs) And then Bradley J. Smith saying, big, high-flying charisma despair, zero idea why it was underutilized. The best team in wrestling and the best head and neck in wrestling. <laughs> so, D'Lo Brown, I think there's not a lot of people, I don't think there was anyone who was like, oh, he's overrated. Or, yeah. let me tell you what a piece of shit D'Lo Brown is. Or, that fucking stinker of a match mm-hmm. with D'Lo. If you're a wrestler who's been around for that long, in one way, shape, or another, ain't too many people who can say that. Yeah. So underrated. Underrated, underutilized, but he's all there. Search him on the network. This is but a slice, okay? Mm. If you're someone who's maybe listened to the Ashtero podcast or are wondering kind of good matches, if you look back at any of the Ashtero podcast uh, pay-per-views that we went through, look for D'Lo's match. Chances are it's an amazing one. You know, he's really, really great. I mean, where would he rank up now with the wrestlers that you kind of looked at? Because I know Mr. Perfect was one where it was like a big surprise for you. Yeah, someone I'd not heard of at all. Yeah. It was really... Yeah, exactly. He's He kind of is up low with Mr. Perfect for me. Not quite Kurt Angle, who is my absolute favourite. That's a really cool thing to say. Yeah? Kurt Angle is Aww. your favourite wrestler. But I mean, I, yeah, I love D'Lo and I love Mr. Perfect. I think they're both very, very good, talented, funny wrestlers. Would you be kind of now... Of the idea of like trying to find more D'Lo stuff to, to watch or? Probably, although it, it's a bit sad that, I mean, I, I definitely target matches with, um, like you said, he does a lot of good ones with X-Pac. Yeah, yeah. Um, I'd probably be a bit nervous about finding too many in case I like stumbled across like just not very good ones yeah. later on. When he's kind of been a bit more buried. Yeah. Yeah, it is kind of a bit sad. So I'd probably target the ones which you kind of said, you know, you can't really go wrong with. Mm, mm, absolutely. Now, to keep in the theme of doing some awesome-ass wrestlers, we got another amazing request coming up. It does feel like this has become a very self-indulgent podcast at the moment, but this is an important one and one which... I'm really, really excited to talk about in detail. Requested by Alex Thompson, this is going to be How To Own Heart. Yeah. Now, Own Heart is someone who is, as I said, I think definitely 
my top two or three wrestlers of all time. Yeah, this is like kind of similar to D'Lo in that I haven't watched any Owen Hart matches. Like I know nothing about him. And yet, the opposite of D'Lo in that everyone talks about him. Yeah. It's like impossible to be a wrestling fan and not have heard of the Hearts and Owen Hart. Yeah, it's very, very interesting. Now, we're going to be having a look at some matches. And what's interesting about this is that we did a kind of an Owen Hart tribute on the FCR podcast... And that almost, in its way, was kind of like a prototypical format of how to wrestling because we went really? through we went through a few matches. We had some chats about them, but I do think still that there's maybe um, we're not kind of viewing Owen just in the context of the Attitude Era. We're kind of trying to get more of a sense of him as a whole. So I'm going to try and find some amazing Owen Hart matches. What I think is most important, though, folks, when you are tweeting in using the hashtag How to Own Heart, we need lots of stories about ribs. And I ain't talking about ribs about eating. I'm talking about ribs about funny, practical jokes. I hear he has a thing to do with the slammies. He has a thing to do with the slammies? He does? I only know that from the wonderful artwork that Dan Swanton has done for us yeah. for this episode. He's done a... I mean, it's... I, I think... It's one of my favourite drawings of a wrestler ever. It features at least three butts, <laughs> which is the best number. Now, in terms of the matches, um, we're obviously going to do Owen and Brett. That's, that's not up for a discussion. I would like to maybe try and do some matches that we didn't do when we looked at it with the Ashton podcast, so Joe kind of sees some kind of fresh stuff, um, some different things. So any kind of, maybe even matches which aren't as well known that you think might be good ones to check out definitely one which we should be uh, looking at so own heart i think the sum total of your knowledge of own at the moment is that he broke steve austin's neck did he yeah that was i the, forgot that yeah that was him that who was did him. that was him it was him all along each and every one of you were made fools of i know he's bret hart's brother but you don't know who bret hart really is well i know that bret hart is natalia's uncle yeah, that's true. All pe- well, that means that Owen would have been Natalia's uncle as well. Or dad. Or dad, not no, dad. She's no, not, not no. dad. Not dad. So, how to own heart. Very excited about it. And can I say, as we're sitting here now in lovely Manchester, we have got some exciting stuff coming. Really exciting. Really yeah, jazzed up really about great. it. Very, very much so. So that's going to do it for How To D'Lo Brown. Thanks so much for tuning into How To Wrestling. And if you are listening on iTunes, SoundCloud, or on Stitcher, or on good old howtowrestling.com, make sure you share this episode, share past episodes, give us a like, add a rating or review if you're on iTunes. Helps us out in the old algorithm there, helps us appear in the popular sections and up those charts and as always make sure you're following us on twitter.com forward slash how to wrestling using the hashtag how to own heart for our next episode we want all the tweets about the nugget the rocket the black heart he did it on his own let joe know how and why and as well facebook.com forward slash how to wrestling where you can leave comments check out episode artwork and news and info about upcoming episodes. Don't forget on howtowrestling.com, we are still selling our coasters. Now, we no longer live where we did live previously, which is where the coasters were made. <laughs> which is pretty much coaster land. Coaster land. Can you just point out, just so people know, um, we just didn't send, this isn't a case that we sent away to some website and got a mass of coasters. Oh, no. Joe made them. Yeah, I make them. How do you make them? Okay, I will write about this. Like on an website. article for the website at yeah. some point. Yeah, I'm not sure if it'll quite be long enough for an article. But basically, you get a big sheet of acrylic from mm-hmm. the internet, 
It's about two metres long, about that. You cut it up with a Stanley knife. Anyone can do that. Then you put it in a laser cutter, and it uses lasers to cut out the acrylic in the shape of the coasters. Anyone can do that. Then you get a sheet of sticky-backed cork, and you put that in a laser cutter, and you cut out the shape of the coaster. Then you take the white acrylic coaster shape, you put that in a UV printer, So that takes about 15 minutes to do the printing. Then you do a top layer, a matte surface basically, so it has grip on it. Then with incredibly careful hands, you stick the cork onto the acrylic. So if you do it ever so slightly wrong, you've fucked up the whole thing and you've got to throw it away. So yeah, it's not just a case of we have some coasters, it's a case of Joe knows how to use a UV printer and a laser cutter and mage coasters. Yes. Which I have to say is very impressive indeed. They take about 20 minutes each. They are available though, with some are nearly sold out, some are very close to being sold out. And some have got loads of. So. Yeah, so go onto the website, you can check it out, hrc.com, the coasters are available there. But they are limited edition. Now we've moved away, we will not be making any more. So this is your chance, if any you want to get now, get them now. And as well, don't forget, if you buy three or more, you can make a healthy saving of 20%. Yes, you can. So do check those out. Once they're gone, they're G-O-O-N-E gone. And one thing, because I know a lot of people have not realised this, although we don't sell them outside of the UK on, on the our website, website yeah. send us an email, howtowrestling at gmail.com. Let us know what you're after, how many you want, where you live, and we'll send you a quote. We'll, we'll work something out. And those of you who haven't any coasters, thanks for tweeting in pictures of you using them. Please, anyone who's who's bought some, we'd love to see your pictures. Love to see them in use. Absolutely. And as well, if you wish to support this show, other than buying coasters, you can become our patron on patreon.com forward slash howtowrestling. You can do that for as little as $1 to get episode notes from me. And for $5, you can receive our monthly pay-per-view reviews. Next month is SummerSlam. <gasps> no, ne- not next month. This, this month. month is SummerSlam, which brings us neatly to one year of doing monthly pay-per-view reviews. Which means, as of that review, we will have 12. That's what? 12. And if they are full episodes. Oh, yeah, much. you're talking around 20 hours of audio there. For five fucking dollars. For five dollars. And as well... People, I don't know if you realise how Patreon works, you don't have to back us monthly. Like, say you want to request an episode or anything, you want to get one of our rewards, you can back for just one month and then cancel. It doesn't yeah. have to be a monthly You thing. back out, you... I mean, we had a lot of people having to uh, readjust the finances after Brexit. Absolutely. Which, which you know, that, again, it's you, you can support us if you want to. You opt out at any time. Yeah. The perks are there if you wish to join. Uh, $10 will get you access to our live stream. Not making any promises, but obviously now that we live uh, in Manchester, there might be some uh, more interesting faces appearing on said live streams. Well, Beefy Lee, for one. Oh, yeah, absolutely. We'd love to show you our uh, original concept for him. And if you wish to be a hardcore backer $50 gets you an episode to be requested there are fantastic episodes coming up so many good ones all the people who are absolutely ecstatic the fact that we are doing D'Lo Brown okay you've got our amazing backers to thank for that you got Timmy to thank for that who did the amazing job of requesting an episode for a birthday present and I love the episodes we've got coming up. We've got a lot of current guys coming up soon. We know we've, we've got, got a lot of classic. We've got one in particular I'm so excited about. Oh. The next, like, four episodes, I'm so fucking jazzed out. It's going to be great. It's going to be great. But, yeah, $50, backers, you can request episode. Patreon.com slash Wrestling, And we value each and every one of our patrons and our backers. Thank you so much for your support. It's because of that support that we've been able to move here. 
um, just so you know and and that's really really amazing so thank you so much for for all your backing and for listening to another episode of how to wrestling next episode don't forget how to own heart make sure you send us in lots of matches recommendations comments and thoughts on the rocket it's a goodbye from me kevin and a goodbye from me joe and we'll see you next time on how to wrestling see ya Oh, it's the church bells. Yeah, Gone are the days of Tony the Ice Cream Man. Fucking Protestants. It's not a Sunday. I thought they went off on Sunday. Could be something else on. You done? How fucking long can bells go for? Usually, don't think the number of bells signify something. They're just ringing them. It's always something. Biker wedding. Now, Devo. You think after this would kind of, you know, yeah, surely you really think. And you wouldn't mind as well. This is a time, right? Late nineteen ninety nine. Are you fucking serious? What now? Are they having another wedding? <laughs> oh, for fuck's sake! Sometimes there's the odd mass wedding.